Houston, Indianapolis Center, do you have any test operations in restricted area 2508? Area 31, Roger. Traffic is quite luminous and is exhibiting some non-ballistic motion, over. Roger, Aries 31. Continue to send at your discretion, over. Okay, Center. The traffic is approaching head-on, ultra-bright, and really moving. They're right by us, right now. There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac Wanwan and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney on the show. We have for you tonight, but first, let me introduce the members of the posse. Over there across the puddle, girls, I had a, uh, I had a new kind of intro for you, JJ, but I can't, <laughs> I can't remember it. So we'll have to go with the old one. Girls, get ready. Time to get your mister, time to get your big box of Kleenex, your big box of wipes, your squeegee and your lube, because the very famous one one is here. Hey, girls. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mac. Good to see you. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Amazing sound quality from over the pond. This is fantastic, the, yeah, the really technology is. that we have here. Okay, good to know. All right. I know. I, I remember my intro, and it's going to be, <clears throat> and now, ladies and gentlemen, the man who went to a lesbian pride parade to meet chicks. <laughs> Very famous one. You know, I, and that's I, I do do that. Yes, I know. We know you do. Anyway, okay, everything okay over there? Yes, it, yes, it is. <clears throat> Sorry. You're going to see the stones yes, or what? Yes, it is. You're going? You know, I have my Yorkshire Terrier with me a lot, too, because it's another great way to meet chicks. Is you have a small dog, and they typically have a small dog, and you talk about how wonderful their small dog is. Wow, is that how it works over there? offer to take a picture and a selfie and everything. Wow, and love in England. <laughs> it works. It works. Good it know. does. You yeah. know, it's funny that the, the women over here, right, just about everybody is pretty friendly and talks to you. And, For now. You know, just ask you how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Actually, just say, you know, good afternoon, good morning, how are you, blah, blah, blah. Next thing. It's Fantastic. Next, next thing you'll tell us is they have uh, ice cream trucks with fish and chips on them. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, up there in the great state of Maine, in his bunker formerly a um, no bunker formerly whatever it is, it's a cop. Um, they call him Coco on the streets. We know him as Commander Coco. Coco. As always, Mac, privilege to be on the wing. Thank you very much for having me. I would like to uh, maybe make two quick comments regarding one one if I could. Sure. Okay. Work in nappies, please, do your next introduction. At the nappies, a nice touch. Uh, I don't know how you want to work that in there. Uh, um, also, uh, how's Mrs. Juan Juan with all this uh, scoping out at pride uh, parades and uh, dog shows? Curious how she's, do, she's doing okay. Well, she's look at it this way. At least he's out of the house, right? Yes. yes. Which okay. could be uh, thumbs up for a lot of folks. Moving yeah. on. Uh, I'm, honestly, though, I'm really fascinated by it. The, the friendliness of everybody around in this least this particular town. Mm-hmm. Well, because you're the American weirdo there, dude. You 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 they're, live at the yeah, at the end of a dead end street. The American weirdo. Yeah, weird I, dog. I find that in the, in the cafes and what have you. It's like, mm. you know, I'll order something. Uh, I'll order it wrong. <laughs> I'll dish out my coinage and my 
nice. dollar bills with my, my pounds with the queen on it, and I'm going, you know, stumbling for the right change. Sounds filthy. And I say, screw it. I just tap my uh, debit card, which works every time. And then I'm end up paying an exchange fee to go along with it. Wow. <laughs> it's worth it. Well, you hope so. Okay. It's fun. It sounds it. I'm having a good time. It sounds it. Uh, moving on to um, our national correspondent, who is in um, Mount Pleasant, West Virginia. No, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Switchblade Steve Ward, Switchy. Uh, great to be here in Point Pleasant, West Point Virginia. Point Pleasant. Yes. Okay. Yes. Home of the um, Mothman. How's things with you there, Switchy? Uh, pardon me? How are things with you? Oh, how are things with me? Yes. Uh, they're beyond wonderful. Mm-hmm. Okay. You still got the beard going. I listened to where we did a rerun a little while ago, and you actually sh shaved off your beard mid-show. Do you remember that? Mid-show? That's Yeah. That's apparently what would happen there, but wasn't that long ago either. No? Okay. Hey, just the one Mac, but you never beard. Just go with it. Anyway. Uh, moving on. Um, uh, um, I see, see, I haven't found I haven't found a barber yet. I haven't. I haven't found a barber I can trust. So <laughs> that's yeah. Until I, then, I can see that no, in West no Virginia. Trim and, and no haircut. I understand. Um, no uh, club tonight. He's on his way over to Ireland for a month. He's going to be over there for a month, but he's going to be doing some reporting. So that should be good. Oh, good. So if someone wants to rag on my hair, you know, please feel free. Oh. I can feel uh, like a, uh, an emptiness inside when club's not here really? to rip okay. on well, my hairline. That will be filled. It will be filled with green beer, if you can imagine. <laughs> Um, also up there in uh, Sideways, New York, is our uh, good friend and uh, good witch, Raven. How are you tonight, Raven? Hi, my friends. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I goofed up your intro because we have five questions for Raven coming up in a little while, and um, I almost stepped on one of the questions, as they say in the biz. But how are things with you? Everything okay? It's all good in the hood. Okay. You have a hat on. You have a, a, a cap on. A baseball cap has a P on it. What does that stand for? Oh, it's pink. Pink. <laughs> okay, but the hat is black. Uh, it's actually green. Green, okay. Um, but pink is the Victoria's Secret brand. And I got this for free because I'm in uh -oh. so much credit card debt with Victoria's Secret. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Everyone calm down. Everyone calm down and don't talk. So <laughs> you, you, you've you run up a, a large bill with Victoria's Secret? Is that what you're saying? I, it's, it's all paid off now, but this was quite a long time oh, oh, ago. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. I used I'm, to send you crap all the time. We would have paid it off for you, but what, 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 why are you spending all this money at Victoria's Secret? Should we know or should we not pry? Well, they have the best stuff. They have the best hoodies. Well, you know, their clothes are so small. How can they cost so much money? Victoria's Secret is the... Uh, it's the women's... a good point, Switch. Okay. They're the women's lingerie outfit, right? Or am I thinking of... Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, we might want to, you know, come yeah, back. Saw the pages in the catalog, Mac. I was going to say we might want to come back around to that Mac Maloney calendar. Remember the calendar of the twelve pictures? We should do a calendar. That would be fun. There you go. Maybe Victoria's Secret will sponsor it. Who knows? Well, I thank go you wear for my favorite hoodie tonight. <laughs> I, I can't believe Victoria's Secret sells hoodies. Come on, really? Hoodies? Oh, they're the best. I didn't know that. They have hoodies for men too. Do, do, do. There's more pages than those front pages, boys. I'm just trying to explain that. Right, we're going to have to get, <laughs> gonna get a little bit more into this, I think, at some point. We also got a <clears throat> email from a fan who said that um, a few weeks ago you were going to put on a cat mask for us, but you never yeah. did. So we'll have to do that sometime during the show. And please take a screen shot so we can send it to this fan, okay? In the show. Uh, I, was, I did. Did you put it on, though? Did yeah. you really? Huh. Hmm. I must have been. You'll have to do it again. I'll get my brother fresh air when that happens. 
Anyway, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay, who's left? Oh, here he is down there in south of the Mason-Dixon line, way south, is our good friend Jocko Johnson. Jojo, how are you doing? Hey, Mac. Happy to be back. Glad to be anywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, glad to be anywhere. Keith Richards, famous. Good line. Everything okay? What's going on down there? Do you have floods, tornadoes, locusts? What's Nothing. happening? Yeah, a little rain, a little heat, mm -hmm. a little okay. warm. It's been quite seasonable lately. Oh, like in good. the 80s, very comfortable. Oh, nice. nice. Okay. I like to hear that. Some rainstorms, and then it gets a little dry for a while. Today it rained. Huh? You are down south. Um, so anyway, um, we have a uh, yeah we have a show for you today. But what we're going to do is this will broadcast sometime around the anniversary of the Roswell incident. Uh, which happened in July of 1947, right there, Switching? Yes. Okay. So we're going to, uh, you know, touch on some of the subjects uh, surrounding that uh, tonight. Also, uh, Raven has a report on... Cursed Films. Oh, Cursed Films. Right. Okay. Yes. Uh, there are actually films out there. You can curse, you know, cars, houses, buildings... But also films are cursed. I bet you there are songs that are cursed, too. So we're going to be talking about cursed films tonight, part of a series. That should be interesting. And also, um, for the second time, we're going to do five questions for Raven. A few weeks ago, we asked um, people to, uh, listeners to write in their five questions, five questions you'd want to ask Raven on the air. And we get five more. Um, the five from last week, I think, hasn't quite landed us in jail yet, but we haven't put the show on. Kind of crazy with our friend Double D out there. <laughs> Um, but um, we'll see how this one goes. So um, I'll tell you what. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take the quick break now? Because I can see one of our guests is in the waiting room. And uh, we'll be right back. So you're listening to Mac Maloney's Mill Direction our Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. We've all heard of Area 51, the U.S. government's top secret base in the Nevada desert. But have you ever heard of Area 52 or 53 or 54? 54? 54? How about Tonopar Test Range? or the Navy's secret base inside the Bermuda Triangle. Find out about them and more in Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Did Richard Nixon show Jackie Gleason a crashed alien spaceship near the swamps of Florida? Is it true that more UFOs are seen over a small Scottish village than anywhere else in the world? And is there a secret place in Russia that some people think is heaven on earth? In Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, you'll visit more than a dozen top secret places around the globe. The haunted forests of New Jersey. A valley in Colorado where shadows come alive and humans can fly without wings. And where's the only secret base in America that's not been visited by UFOs? You've heard Mac talk all about these places on his radio show. Now you can read all about them yourself. That's Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Now on sale at Amazon. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. Very quickly, I feel like I've just done this, but let me introduce the members of the posse. Uh, girls, very famous one. One is here over there across the puddle. Hello, Take Mac. Broadcasting all the way from the great uh, United Kingdom, mm -hmm. Lillington, England. Meeting girls with his dog and taking me, yeah. apparently. Yeah, it's okay. something about dogs, small dogs, basically. Okay. 
That's what they say. Especially if you have a Yorkshire Terrier. Come on. Okay. Right. We'll ask you down. Uh, also, um, up there in the great state of Maine, where all the snow is just about gone. That is correct. Is uh, Coco. Commander Cobra. Good evening, Mac. It's always a privilege to be on the wing. Flying formation. Good, good. Um, moving up the to around the totem pole, uh, our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve, from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Switchy. In West by God, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Inches from downtown Point Pleasant. Oh. Interesting. Uh, also, up there in Sideways, New York, our favorite good witch, Raven, is with us. Raven. Hi, my friends. Thanks for having me. Just made a startling, uh, uh, how should we say it, um, confession. I don't want to say confession. Discovery. Something, yeah, that she's in debt for thousands of dollars to Victoria's Secret. Amazing. Let's let's, let's do a GoFundMe <laughs> immediately. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so what they, happened? Did they cut you off at that point or what? Oh, no. It's Did like you, they'll send you a new card and it's like, oh, oh here, your credit limit increased. Cool. Because I pay my bills. So. <laughs> and, he, and here's a hat. You're right. Here's, here's a, a hat. hat. But it's like one of the best hats. It's yeah. great. That's <laughs> how so the world goes around. Uh, let's see. Also, down there, way down south, Jocko Johnson is with us. Jojo. Present here from the belt buckle of the Bible belt. There you go. Okay. <laughs> They're miss, missing a few loops, though, as it turns out. Did you get my 50 bucks? Uh, for the bet? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. I Did you donate it to? Were you going to donate it to some orphan? Uh, 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 yeah, you told me I should donate it to my own relief fund, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet. I haven't done any. 50 bucks. It's still, it's still in the envelope. Because, um, oh, is it really? Yeah. I bet Jocko that the Bruins will go further in the Stanley Cup playoffs than the Rangers, and it was wrong. Anyway. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, also, so the whole gang is here, and um, also, I guess, first part of the uh, evening is a good friend, kind of. Lonely Larry, and let's let's just clap them in, so I don't get the pouty email with pictures of his car with no hubcaps on it. Tomorrow morning. <laughs> Double L, how are you doing? Oh, well, you know, I I thought I was the the only one in the family with a Victoria's Secret habit. <laughs> oh, really? So I'm relieved to know that I'm not alone. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and I'm doing well. And and Mac, I saw Steely Dan last week. Really? Oh, you did. Mm. They were oh, as good as ever. As good as ever. Well, there's only, there's only one of them left, right? Well, there were only ever really two of them, right. weren't there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. That's not bad. No, no. Great, great band in this day. We're excellent kind of jazz rock band. Just by a quick uh, calculation, that would be 50% of Steely Dan. 50%. So she'd be uh, either... Throwing that out there for those that are a little bit slow in the arithmetic. Steely or okay. Dan. Which one was there? Was it Steely or Dan? <laughs> I like Steely the best. Well, you know, it, it was Donald Fagan who, um, you know, it kind of it kind of irked me because I see them a lot. Yes. My tenth show, and the first show I saw after Walter Becker died. Yes. The, the son of a bitch wow. Fagan didn't even acknowledge. Wow. Uh, his partner of all those decades. He what didn't an a hole. Say a word about him. What a dick. I thought that was really low class. But, yeah. But this time he did. Yeah. Oh, this time he did. Someone must have whispered in his ear. Wow. Wow. What a guy. So anyway, let me uh, start off with a trivia question. Who was Steely Dan's first drummer? Um, oh, we said I can't this think of the Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Right. Lonely Larry. Like so the anyway. Chevy Chase? The Chevy Chase. The Chevy Chase. Yep. Yum. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I did not know that. Yes. We've only said it a million times on the show. How about this? Who I know, was? I'm, I mean, every time I hear it, I, it's like, wow. I, 
Okay. Why did that not come up in any of my other uh, world? The useless trivia. Yes, that that world, the useless trivia world. Here's another useless trivia question. Um, What band were uh, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker basically were a Steely Dan? What band were they in before they were in Steely Dan? Smash Mouth. Ultimate Spinach. Ah, I forgot. J and the Americans. J and the Americans. J and the Americans. Remember them? J and the Americans. Yep. They're in the band for J and the Americans. Okay. Okay. That wraps up the musical segment. You can notice uh, on Zoom, I'm getting lower and lower. I'm on that chair that finally brings it to the floor. Here I go. Okay. Uh, so anyway, why don't we do this? Get the other chair out of the other studio. Yeah, I will do that at the break. Or when there's a lot of laughter, I'll just run in there. Um, so we had this uh, contest a few weeks ago, actually a few months ago. I don't know why we started it, but we did. We um, asked listeners to write in with five questions they would want to ask Raven on the air. We got so many entries, we had to pick three winners. We had the first winner on last night, uh, last week, Doug Daniel, interesting guy. Probably be calling us some federal prison someday. Who knows? Uh, but he is a, a relative of the people who own the Jack Daniel distillery, as it took, turns out. Or at least he told us that. Uh, Lonely Larry would probably know this. Is it? Is it? What's the correct name of that whiskey? It, you are right. It, it, well, it is Jack Daniels, but it's possessive. Right, right. Who knew it, that? It, it is the J. It is. Brewery of Jack Daniel, so apostrophe S. Yeah, well, no, well, never, never, I did. Never, never bothered to read the label. Me, I guess. Okay. You never could read the label. Okay, okay thank you, Larry. I said you should have asked Keith Richards what it was. I'm sure he knows. So anyway, <laughs> we're going to do um, the second round. The five questions for Raven. However, uh, the fan uh, Sherry, our good friend Sherry out in California, was a little bit shy to be on the air. So we, after an extensive search, found Lonely Larry, who happens to be Raven's father. To ask the second round of the five questions for Raven. So, do you have the list there, Double L? Yeah, but wait a minute. I, I didn't know I was I was hooked into this because some some chick in California was too <laughs> or timid Ooh. to pick up the phone. This is wow. Uh, now she's shy to be on the air. There, there's a difference. I was really lashing out. To wow. So, so we went the other direction, Larry, with you. <laughs> yeah. you know, someone who who craves to be on the air. And, and oh, yeah. So we thought that would balance be, out the universe. <laughs> you know, and and obviously you've displayed the proper parental filters for what could possibly be coming up on that sheet. So praise God, we are. This is powered by the hour, folks. And please send your donations right to the uh, Reverend Mac. I don't think. <laughs> was the word. I think she was just a bit timid. That'd be the yeah. Mac- Macaloni Orphan's function. She's also in a different time zone. I can imagine she's sleepy. Because I know I'm always sleepy, so that would hit me. Well, she is in California. So yeah, she's... because it's almost four in the afternoon in California. Maybe she's had a tough day. How do you know? Which is Too when early. I usually nap. Yeah, I'm sure. Please remember those donations are the Reverend Mac right. and the Don't Forget the Distant Thunder Choir. Right. Like y'all, so they mentioned <laughs> it on the donations. Please thing. underline the, the word orphans on the envelope. Thank you. So listen, Larry, do you have the list? I do. You don't. Okay, so five questions for Raven. I have no idea why we even started this, but we're in the middle of it now, so we have to complete it. So, Larry, please, I guess we're going to play a little Raven music here. Top five, not really top five, but five questions for Raven from one of our fans, Sherry out in California. Substituting for Sherry tonight is only Larry. Larry, please. Number five. Or number one. Uh, Raven, why are you called a good witch? Because I'm not a bad witch. Allegedly. Great answer. 
Wow. Was oh, that it? Okay. You watch The Wizard of Oz. That's fine. Okay. Yes. Never heard of it. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Wait, is there a line? I don't know. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I'm a fetus. Oh, okay. Go back to the beginning. Go ahead, please, Larry. Number four. Okay. Number two. Where were you born? Upstairs uh, in the front room. Uh, Herkimer. Herkimer. Right? No. You don't even know where you were born? No. It's not important. <laughs> you were born in Illion, Somewhere in the United States. Illion, New York. Sure. That, that okay. place. Can you spell it? I-L-I-O-N. Wow. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. You're, you're crossing into the Illion state line. You're in a, a van or what? what why, wait, why there? Let's, let's pinpoint it a little bit. Right there. Yeah. That's where we lived at the time. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Uh, let's get on to the next question, please. Okay. How did you meet Mac? How did we meet? We, <laughs> it was Craigslist. Was, was, a dog, was a dog involved? <laughs> I know the answer to this one, so I'll know. A, a, dog, was, a dog was not involved, sadly, but oh. um, LL was involved. Oh. Uh, we were out having some... Um, cocktails Mm-mm. and uh somehow we got on the subject of ouija boards and he said you gotta talk to my friend mac because he would love this and he ended up calling him and i was like you know pissed drunk at this point oh. and i was just telling him my story over the phone <laughs> in the back of a car i think we were ubering somewhere to get more cocktails wow. uh, we, were, we were in my car it was uh it was the it was the day of celebration. It was the day that the election was called for Joe Biden. Right, that's sure. correct. Oh. That's correct. So we were all we, drunk. Uh, we 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 were at the um, we started out at the beer tree, and then we went here and there, and uh, uh, yeah. Yep. And we we, yeah. Were, we tried to get into two hundred five Drive, but it was closed. Oh yeah, it was closed. Yeah. We sat out in the in, in the car and on, on the street and and called Mac. Wow. Okay. I met Mac over the phone. Yes, and she's been on the show that's ever amazing. since. That's a good story. Story. Uh, please, Larry, next question. These are five okay. questions for Raven from the <laughs> Have you ever been to California? No, I really want to go. Um, I just Why? haven't made it out there yet. Okay. I've been to where? Nevada. That's the farthest west I've been. Mm-hmm. You were in Vegas at one point? Mm-hmm. Really? How much money yeah. did you win? Oh, uh, like $2.50. That's, that's your head of the game, $2.50. And she there. blew it all. I blew it all. Did the uh, Victoria's Secret uh, credit card get played in uh, Vegas? Just curious. <laughs> no, I, I put that two fifty towards the Victoria's Secret credit card. Just check my screen uh, when you get a chance there. Oh, I see it, Coco. Is that your, uh, your manicured but, thumb there? Look at that nail there, girls. I wish that was my manicured thumb. Wow. Uh, okay, Larry. Rolling, Larry. Uh, all right. I don't even know what this question means. Cool. Uh, but we'll see how Raven does. What is your most lasting talent? Oh, um, I guess it would be painting. Painting? Um, I can get an entire apartment done in, oh. in an afternoon. Oh, I um, thought you meant like really portrait. Two coats. I thought you meant painting like Like, like that. Yes, I, right. I do mean that. I was joking. Oh, okay. All um, right. We'll yeah, s- no, I like to paint and draw. I still do that. And uh, yeah, that's, we'll that's my that little... My little BS that I do throughout the the life. This isn't BS here, what we're doing right now? Now listen. <laughs> Hang on. Now listen, uh, Lonely Larry, you have a, a a picture over your shoulder hanging on your wall. It's called yeah. Nude at a Filling Station, correct? Yes. And it was it was painted by Raven, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and what does it depict, actually? Um, you know, it hangs here every day and has for years. And okay. It's, uh, 
It's oh, is this the first time you're looking at it? I it's think I gave that to you in like 2003. It's a choppy, uh, it's a choppy ocean, uh-huh. uh, ocean waves, and there are four seagulls uh, flying above it. Four seagulls, okay. And and there's no yeah. nude, no filling station? It's just no, a, just it's a ab- tease? No, it's abstract. Okay, it's abstract. Come on, don't, don't be such a Philistine here, all right? We <laughs> have to explain it's everything Philistine. to you. Spell it. Five questions for Raven. <laughs> Uh, I think we're on the last question. Lonely Larry asking the questions. For a that fan. was it. There we go. That I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that was the fifth one. No, that yeah. was the fifth one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we got to make Here's one a, up. Okay, no, no, there is one more question. Okay, go ahead. Why can't Matt count to five? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> see, 340-mile round trip to go up and smack yeah. you. Is it worth it? It always amazes me that uh, when Larry's on the show, why he's not on the show more often. I, I always leave it's wanting more and wondering why he's not on with us It's exp- unexplained, one of those unexplained things. Oh. Well, you know, Larry, thank you for, for uh, contributing tonight. Let's Yeah, let's clap once again. It's always a pleasure, Mac. Is it? Any any time you need me to, uh-huh. to come on and you know lighten things up, I'm, uh-huh. I'm always here for you. <laughs> we I think uh, the show really needs that kind of concentration, God look vibe that you kind of bring. Know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> like, hey, Mac. Can't you see him in the Mac, tower? I got something here. You might you might remember this. What are you gone? Ever seen one of these? Uh, we're on the radio. You'll have to describe it. It's a steam turbine ashtray. Oh. Remember these? I was gonna say, is that an ash? Oh, yeah, oh. We always have. you can see the little holsters for yes. your cigarette. Yeah, this is a GE relic from probably the 1950s. Wow! In the back, uh, yeah. that has got to be worth that has got to be worth some serious serious money. In the oh, uh, in a decade that I'm, I would I'm counting on. Raven's inheritance. That's is it. Counting on it. <laughs> no wonder this girl's tipping back cocktails. That kind of that, that kind of art hanging on the wall and that kind of sculpture in your hands, mm. Larry. She's got it made. You're becoming uh, <laughs> easy street, baby. Easy street. You're on Broadway and first. If I, if you find his brake linings cut, you'll know why. Listen, in a decade, I would rather forget. For ten years, I actually promoted large steam turbines for General Electric. Larry was my underling, as it turned out. Who the hell I was. Listen, okay, why don't we take a commercial break now? That's something you made up and you won't let go. Why don't we take a commercial break now and let's get the anger under control there, Larry. Let's get the anger. Like we used to see in those meetings we had. Larry, you can't be so angry around the office. People come Why don't we take a commercial break now and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to McLoney's North Rockstone Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed, the Phantom Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Hong's Hats, and the very mysterious M-Triangle. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now, get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous One One. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com.
night in New Mexico 1947 Mac Brazzo heard the sky explode Crash sight made his blood run cold Flying saucer captured on Foster Ranch Headlines spread like an avalanche Major Marcel investigates He knows the truth but not allowed to say Welcome back, everyone. Back Maloney's Motorfax on show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Back Maloney. Wow, what a show we have for you tonight. Quickly, girls, the very famous JJ is here. Wani. Hey, how's it going? Coco. Glad to be here. Coco is here. Commander Cobra up there in Maine. Coco. Cobra's in. Uh, also, Switchblade Steve Ward there in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, is with us. Great to be here tonight. Jocko Johnson down, way down south of the Mason. Jojo, you good? Present. I'm it. Good. Okay. Kind of seeing the best of last. Our good friend Raven up there in Sideways, New York. Raven. Hello, hello. And uh, also, we have a guest joining us, uh, Dr. Bob Gross out there in Chicago. Let's clap him on. Hello, everyone. Thank you. It's good to be here. Chicago. And it still remains a toddling town, correct? Yes. Good. Last I checked. Good to hear. Um, Dr. Bob uh, is a frequent guest on the show, UFO researcher slash musician. We're going to be doing a story on uh, Roswell coming up. Later on in the show, this is kind of the anniversary of Roswell, 1947, July 1947. We'll be talking about it a little more ex- extensively later on in the show. But first, we have a top 10 tonight. Top 10. Uh, I believe it's top 10 reasons the aliens didn't crash at Roswell. Is that right, Raven? That is correct. Okay. All right. Top <laughs> 10 reasons why the aliens didn't crash at Roswell. So when we start the music, let's see how this goes. Please, Raven, number 10. Number 10, the original mission was to contact the next supreme leader of the galaxy, the Holy Emperor Juan Juan, and he lived nowhere near Roswell. <laughs> okay, all right. P.S. That may have more, that may have more weight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all hail Emperor Juan Juan. All hail. Hail, hail. Emperor hail. Juan Juan. <laughs> A little off course. Number nine, please, Ray. It hated the movie, hated the TV show. <laughs> hated the movie, hated the TV show. Ten top ten reasons the aliens didn't land at Roswell. I saw the TV uh, show know. once. The TV oh. show was like a teen, like a teen romance drama or something. It had nothing to do with aliens that I could figure out. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Okay, number eight, please. Right. Number eight. Think about it. If they were going to crash anywhere, it would be Vegas, baby. Right. And crash anywhere. Exactly. Right? Where'd you go there? That'd be a perfect place to crash. Oh, yeah. They'd stay, too. I would say almost any given night, you would find extra direct bills on the strip in Vegas. (laughs) Please, right? This is top 10 reasons why the aliens didn't crash at Roswell. Number seven, um, they would have done anything at that point to abide Stanton Friedman. (laughs) (laughs) That hurt. hurt. That's leaving a mark. That's leaving a mark. Uh, Next, please. Next, please. Number six, they meant to crash in War. I'm sorry, they meant to crash in Was Roswell. Wound up crashing in Roslindale instead. <laughs> the two locals would get that. Okay, I get it. Okay, 
Next, please, Raven. Top 10 reasons why the aliens didn't crash at Rajwa. Number five, got into a fee reduction argument with the National Enquirer when they wanted to start this whole story in the first place. So them. <laughs> little anger there with the aliens, but now we know the story. <laughs> yeah, that bad boy thing really threw them all off, okay. too. You know, the, the ETs got pushed right off the mm -hmm. uh, mainstream. Bad boys, bad boy was everything. Uh, Ned, thanks, please, Raven. These are the top 10 reasons why the aliens did not crash at Roswell. Number four, President Harry Truman's maid's cat told them not to. You're getting one from her. That's a little inside <laughs> hockey there. I'm wow. not quite sure what that, that was brought up. Uh, next, let's move on quickly then, please, Raven. Uh, number three, dude, we're aliens. It's New Mexico. Do the math. Uh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. All right, let's move oh. on. Number two, please. Ouch. Number two, wanted to make it as far as New York City to get some turkey with Jocko beef jerky. See, right? <laughs> the, the flying saucer ran out of gas somewhere between Roswell and New York City. Okay. Top 10 reasons why the aliens did not crash at Roswell. Is this number one, Raven? This is number one. Okay. It's too close to Texas. Too close. Oh. Well, there we go. Okay. Okay. Yes, no one does. Uh, we're going to take a break now, and we're going to talk a little bit about Roswell, because I, I personally, I don't think anything happened at Roswell. I think maybe the, the room is divided on that, but uh, we'll talk about it when we come back. So you're listening to Matt Maloney's Miltrax, and I'll show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. So I'll see you here as next time. This is Matt Maloney for the entire gang saying be safe, be happy, and bye-bye. Okay, the show's over. Hey, Cobra, where are we going to eat tonight? Well, gentlemen, what do you feel like? Chinese, Italian, sushi? How about we go where they have the best hamburger in the world? And where would that be, one one? Only the Starboard Galley. Starboard Galley? They're a great seafood place, but they're in Newburyport, and we're in Exeter. But they're only 20 minutes away down Route 95, and believe me, they have the best hamburger in the world. Let's go. Okay, boys, license and registration. Where's the fire? You clowns going to the circus? We're in a hurry just to get the best hamburger in the world. And where's that, Pally? That's the Starboard Galley in Newburgh. The great seafood place? Yes, but they make a great hamburger, too. And they start with the best beef. Super fresh buns. Great toppings. Plus, it's only 20 minutes away from Exeter, 25 from Portsmouth. Not with a police escort, buddy. Light them up, Switchblade. Starboard Galley. They're here. That's the Starboard Galley, 55 Water Street, Newburyport. Great seafood and the best hamburger in the world. And tell them Juan wants at you. Hey, 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 Welcome back, everyone. Back Maloney's Mill Tracks. I'll show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney Wallace Show. We have a few tonight. Very quickly, uh, girls, uh, the famous Wawa is here. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. Welcome back to the show. Mill Skills and Gigi Gills. Coco is here. Come in Cobra. CC. As always, Mac, it's a privilege to be flying on the wing. Thank you. The chicken wing. Uh, also, our national correspondent down there in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, Switchblade Steve Ward. Switchy. 
Great to be here. Uh, favorite good witch, Raven, up there in upstate New York. We're all over the map, Raven. Oh, my God. Hi. Huh? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Uh, also, uh, going back down south, way down south, Draco Johnson, uh, Southern Correspondent. Jojo. Hello. Hello, folks. And we've got it covered around the world. Well, you ain't kidding. And uh, uh, Juan's over in England. Club's going to be over in Ireland soon. We are international. Yeah, maybe we can hook up, do something. Let's, uh, well, just take the train, meet each other halfway. Take the train. Train goes before, everywhere. Back, back before it becomes a thing, I think maybe you should do it in the order like, like the sign of the cross. Father, son. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, yep. well, I think I think that. And the name of the father of the son out of the park home run? Okay. Yep. We'll do that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, hey, how about them Red Sox, huh? Yeah, well, yeah. Just say that in two months. You'll be gone. How about those Red Sox? Yeah, they blew a 38-game lead. Uh, oh, listen, man. though, we're going to talk about another good town, uh, one of my favorite cities ever, Chicago, Illinois, and that's where our good friend Dr. Bob Gross is from. Dr. Bob, once again, can we clap him on? Oh, good evening, everyone. How you doing good to tonight? be here again. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bob, doesn't Chicago mean wild onion? Uh, yes, I it don't does. Know. A native language of some sort. That, that is such in keeping with uh, with Roswell. I mean, they, wow. they, 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 they couldn't get a, they have to pay for a setup like that. I, just, I don't know. It just, it just popped into my head. That, yeah, it, amazing that it's that little that. filter from your head to your mouth is still not working. Yeah. Even the now, Grand Park, you can country. walk around yeah. Grand Park and smell onions all over the place. Well, they have a it's big not from bean there. Beans, maybe it means big beans. One thing okay, about Ch- Chicago, if you, I mean, it's weird. If you're familiar with Boston, Boston is a lot like Chicago. It's like yes. Boston in, in the middle in the Midwest, you know? Nice town. I mean, there's parts you don't want to go to, but nice town. Lots of clubs, lots of restaurants, lots of stuff to do. It's just a cool yeah, town, you know, uh, Chicago. So, um, Dr. Bob, uh, you are a UFO researcher slash musician. Um, yes, sir. And you play a million different instruments. Why were you? Did you? What's the first instrument you played when you were a kid? Uh, I was, was a classically trained clarinetist. Really? Yeah, man. What, what age did you start taking lessons? Oh, I think I was uh, 14, 15 in elementary school there. And did it come? that was. Did it come? Wow, 14 and 15. That's like, that's like me. I was still in eighth grade when I was 14 and 15. But look, <clears throat> did it come easy to you or was it hard? No, it was very hard. Like when I was at, you know, in, in college, I was practicing eight hours a day. I had to, to keep up with the big guys. Mm-hmm, really? And then when did you go to saxophone? Or did you, after clarinet, could you go to anything just about? Uh, well, saxophone was the easiest for me, but I switched. I could do woodwinds, and then when I started my undergraduate work, you had to study every instrument. Wow! Up to at least a high school level. Man, holy cow, huh? And you said saxophone was easy for you. I've heard saxophone is like the hardest instrument to play. Well, because it has covered holes, you know, it makes it a little easier. You, you don't have to get your fingers to fit over the openings. Wow, sounds, yeah, is that code? Sounds I filthy. Know I have to write down the notes later sounds on the Urban Dictionary. It's just filthy. Anyway, well, uh, another thing that you do is UFO research. And, um, you know, we've talked a number of times on the show about Roswell and, uh, you know, what happened and what didn't happen there. Uh, it was 19, July 1947. Uh, no one has to hear the story recounted again. The, you know, the Air Force somehow got in possession of this thing that crashed. People kind of jumped on the idea at first there was a UFO. Then that went away pretty quickly. And then uh, Stan Friedman and his friends in the 80s kind of revived it through the National Enquirer. And it became this thing where if you read some of the books today, I hear some of the people uh, who go around the country talking about it. You know, 26 UFOs crashed at Roswell. The U.S. government were killing people who were witnesses to it. That's why no one, you know, uh, really knows the truth. 
um, all this like insane, crazy stuff. There's a lot of evidence. There's a lot of evidence that nothing happened at Roswell that was unearthly. And Dr. Bob, I know you're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, right? Yes. I mean, I, I brought like put together a lot of notes, but I'm going to try to wing it. And if I have to, I'll pull out something that has some statistics in it. Okay. You're on the right show for winging it. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, where would you like me to well, begin? Well, okay. So, so here's, here's what I, what I know and, and what I believe because the evidence is there. Basically, close by Roswell, which is you know, in New Mexico, the U.S. government would launch these balloons that were carrying um, sound detection equipment, audio detection equipment, and they would drift. Uh, they'd go up very high. They would drift across around, literally around the world, drift over the Soviet Union, which at the time was kind of our ally, to see if they could pick up any audio evidence that the Russians were exploding nuclear weapons. They wanted to know whether the um, the Russians had uh, found out the secret of the nuclear bomb. The, the um, United States had the nuclear bomb then. They had ended World War II with it. At that time, we were the only ones on the planet that possessed nuclear weapons. But it was always a big deal to, for us to see if the Russians had, uh, you know, made it to that point yet. So they were um, they would release these balloons looking for this evidence. One of them crashed and um, was found on this uh, ranch near Roswell. I mean, it's actually really like 75 miles away from Roswell, but Roswell is like the closest right. spot of civilization there. And uh, a rancher, uh, you know, collected this stuff, brought it to town. It got into the hands of the Air Force. And as I said earlier, you know, uh, there was the idea that it was a flying saucer came about early because, um, you know, some of the uh, Air Force base said, we've actually captured a flying disc. Now, what's interesting, too, is that Kenneth Arnold had only had his famous sighting about two weeks before. Correct me if I'm wrong, Switch. Right. You're exactly right. And and when when he saw you know his when he had his sighting uh, over the mountains up in Western State, and that made it into the media, the press back then, and flying saucers became a thing. In those two weeks, you could write a book about what happened in those two weeks because all of a sudden people are seeing flying saucers everywhere, everywhere. Hundreds of reports of flying saucers came in in those uh, two weeks. And it wasn't just people on the ground. I mean, pilots were seeing them, military pilots were seeing them, uh, groups of people were seeing them. It was crazy. So, yeah, you know, when this uh, crashed, um, you know, uh, evidence, if you want to call it, got into the hands of the Air Force down in Roswell, uh, Roswell Airfield in New Mexico, for whatever reason, they decided to say, hey, we finally got one. We've got a crash disc. And it was kind of like, okay, we're, you know, this two weeks of like kind of craziness has come to an end because we found one of these things and now we're going to analyze it. And I think maybe they were thinking there was a secret Russian secret weapon or whatever. But a day or two goes by, the Air Force basically retracts that. And the story kind of goes away until, you know, the 80s, the National Enquirer, and so on and so forth. But from what I've read, going back to the beginning, is that on, on some of the evidence was, I know we have this metal that, you know, goes back to its original shape, which, you, you know, is not that big of a deal. But they found rope on it. They found balsa wood on it that... They traced back to a florist uh, in the town where they were launching these balloons because the people launching the balloons needed long strips of balsa for some reason, and they just went to the florist, took it out of his display or when he wasn't using it anymore. Um, a number of things were found that were very, very earthly. And then one of them, too, is, I know this is by Dr. Bob's thing, is what the balloon itself was made out of, right, Bob? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the whole key Uh what you said was a very good thumbnail sketch of what the the whole Roswell incident is about. But uh, I was introduced. I, I I was I lived in New Mexico for eight years, and off and on. 
So I saw a whole different portion of the Roswell incident. And what really got my attention is that because all of New Mexico was a uh, aerospace and high tech area mm -hmm. starting in 1945 after the war right that, mm -hmm. that, yes after that because that's where they did one of the first atomic bomb tests was in new mexico mm -hmm. and they were doing you know there were all kinds of experiments going on like at white sands and yep. that was a mecca for the aerospace industry was new mexico so that was already started in, in 1945 mm -hmm. but when you talk about in 1947, that's when, well, actually in 1946, it was NYU and Watson Laboratories joined into a contract where they were going to first start building these high altitude constant level balloons. Mm -hmm. Now that was back in 1946. And I've seen the original contract. And in that contract, it stated that one of the things that you had to do with these balloons in that in the contract was they had to be traceable somehow you had to be able to detect them interesting okay. yep so that that was 1946 and they started doing experiments back then and they also had there were two other things going on in the military two other types of experiments one was the uh project mogul which was the one you were talking about mm -hmm. okay and that's where they were taking these balloons and they, they didn't have high altitude balloons yet, but they were experimenting. I think the man's name was Ewig, but he said there was some kind of channel in the air that could help detect if the Russians or anybody else was exploding nuclear weapons. Okay. So that's what they, that was the whole, that's a thumbnail sketching is much more complex than that. Right. But they were trying to pick up explosions of atomic bombs in the atmosphere right okay but they still didn't have the balloons yet so they were experimenting with the balloons hmm. and so in, in 1947 is when they started working actually with uh, it was in i think june and july of 1947 they started working with balloons that had different fabrics the balloon was made out of different fabrics yes and then they started coating the balloons because in new mexico the sun was really hot that was destroying the fabric of the balloons. Mm -hmm. So essentially, they were experimenting with coating it with aluminum. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, and I'll get to later. There's a whole uh, series I have you can see, or if you want me to zip to it now. But the uh, the whole history of what eventually became known as Myler mm -hmm. started back like in in 1941. Myler balloons. Yep. Yeah. They, well, they're, actually, just the Myler. The Myler product. Yep. It was 1941 by a person by the name of John Winfield and James Dixon. They invented something called polyethylene terephthalate polyethylene terephthalate film. Yes. Or, or PET, and that was back way back in 1941. Pet. And then they did something called biaxially oriented, or it just that means just stretched PET. Wow. So they learned how to stretch it. So that it wouldn't be like the regular rubber balloons and keep getting bigger and bigger and then explode because that's what was happening right. if you used traditional balloons. Okay. So that was in 41 when they first started that. Yep. And it was called the biaxially oriented pet was called Bopet Film. Cool. Bopet right? Film. Yes. So then in 46, now this is still not Roswell time yet. 
So in 46 was when New York University and Watson Labs joined in a contract. And those, that group had to develop, build, and fly high-altitude balloons. So they had a team. And they were based out of mostly around Alamogordo, New Mexico. Okay. Okay. And, but that contract that I've seen required that high-altitude balloons be designed so that they could be tracked by radar and or radio direction finding. Okay. I'm reading that right from the contract. Okay. Okay. Yep. So what happened then is the whole concept of metalized polyethylene balloons was born. And it still wasn't 1947 yet. Okay. No, but they were experimenting. And when I, like I said, I lived in uh, the New Mexico area. And uh, when I, I, I joined AmeriCorps right after 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. and that's what took me to New Mexico. And I, I because of my background in the arts, I had developed a, an art type of art teacher training center that Roswell picked up on. So I was in Roswell quite a bit, and I would talk with people. Okay. Plus, later on in my life, I was with the New Mexico Gang Task Force in Roswell back in the in 2007 through 2010. Okay. You've been there. You've lived there. You've been around there. Yeah, like eight, you know, eight years. I, left. I was there 10 years, but two years I went to Oklahoma City, mm -hmm. and I was recruited to do a job there for about a year and a half. Then I came back to uh Las Cruces, I think it was. So, so I, I knew the whole area, and I spent time in Roswell right. because that's where the gang task force met. And there, there's a really, if you've ever been to Roswell, there's a really neat art museum there. Hmm. And oh. then they have a very strong arts education program. So I helped them put the arts education program in their schools. But they have they uh, developed like a teacher's college. They have gangs there too. They have they have like street gangs. Oh yeah, Roswell. Really? Yeah, I mean, that was, at that time, New Mexico was a pretty bad place. Wow. I mean, the gang task force had uh, FBI agents. We had uh, you know uh, state police, local police. I thought it was just a little little town. But anyway, so did they find some of this stuff at the crash site? Is that the well, we go. what happened is that what was found at the crash site. Now, we'll skip ahead here just a little bit. Okay. But was parts of what these experimental balloons were. Okay. And, and the then story. talking to people in Roswell when I was you know, living there, because um, I wasn't born until 1948. So okay. I was talking to people when I was living there, and they said that was kind of balloon parts those it was like mylar that you could crinkle up and it was <laughs> aluminum on one side and you know dull on the other yep they said there was a lot of that found on the ground during those experiments because they were they were experimenting with and it. blowing up yeah see and and, and and i i did there's a place i went to for research uh that just traced the balloons that were launched from new mexico and i forget what it was like you know a four or five, six-year period, and there were thousands of balloons launched. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so let and, me answer this, Bob. If I can just ask you this: so, 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 what happened then? I mean, we know that they they took this debris it, into Roswell. It finally got into the hands of the Air Force. Is it what I said earlier that they they just so excited that they might have caught one of these things? Maybe they thought it was a Russian balloon or something. How did this? Well, that's part of it. They didn't know well. Yeah, when they made that announcement, when the rancher, what was uh, you know the rancher that found it? Right. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Max Max Brazel. Yeah, right. that was it. Yep. He when he found it, he went into town. Well, he found it somewhere around the the fourth or the fifth or something of July. He found the parts, but that wasn't the first time he had ever found those parts. But this was just after. Uh, 
the you know the UFO, what they called the flying saucers. That first yeah, flying, flying saucer, saucer craze, sighting, yeah. yep. uh, you know, was seen. So they they thought it was one of those, and people didn't know if those flying saucers were balloons or whatever they were. They because they were you know in the distance, a metalized balloon looks like a flying saucer. Yeah, sure. Yep, I can understand that. And and I think that what happened too is is that you know once again we the national consciousness and the military and the government were only familiar at least you know up and out in the open with flying saucers for two weeks flying saucers ufo have not had not had this history that they have now that is a weird right. crazy history it was a really new phenomenon and once again in those two weeks it was insane how many people saw these things, and then they figured, well, we've got one. But then they didn't want to say, well, what we've got is really this top-secret balloon thing that we have, you know, floating over the Soviet Union. They didn't want to say that. So it really did kind of go away um, until— oh, it, it only, The whole thing, the, the flying saucer thing, only lasted one day. They, they announced it on uh, July 8th. And then on July 9th, they said, oh, forget it. You know, there was another uh, retraction of that article. Mm -hmm. But just, just to give you an idea that you, what you were just talking about, uh, and I was using it, there's, there's a, a couple of books out there that just are uh, Air Force, the well-known, well-documented Air Force sightings. But between January 1st of 1947, okay, way before the Roswell incident, yep. between January 1st, 1947 and August 4th, 1947, there were at least 34 unidentifiable shiny round disc-like objects reported in the skies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you narrow it down to between January 5th, which was right before you know the the earlier sighting, okay. and July 8th, which was after right, right after it was not Roswell was announced, yep. there were 25 unidentifiable shiny round disc-like objects that were reported in the air. Right. So, so, so well, then it's kind of like what's that's end of story. I mean, we know yeah. what the evidence is. We know that they were launching these balloons. We know that they were coating them with aluminum to make it look like, you know, it was some kind of metal that can re go back to itself, go, go back to its original ship. We know that they found rope. We know that they found balsa wood. We know that the EFOs did not want to actually come out and say what they were doing. So, you know, they let it go away. Right. And, and they retracted the first story about UFO. So, end of story. What what more do you need to know that Roswell, nothing happened there. It was just the crash of a top-secret balloon. End of story. Am I right, or am I just Pollyanna? Well, I mean, you're right, and it, should, it did end there for a long time until 1978, and then Stanton Friedman, which I always thought was weird because he, like he was a nuclear physicist, okay? Yeah. And he had a bachelor's and a master's degree. Yes. And he only used those for, like, to get his employment for 14 years. He was only a nuclear physicist for 14 years. Then all of a sudden he became, this thing. you know, a ufologist. Right, right. Just out of the clear blue. Right. And made a lot so, of money on it, made a lot of money, made his name on it. I mean, I'm not going to disparage him because I know he's up there in the great, uh, you know, Roswell in the sky or whatever. But, you know, he, he and a few others kind of took this thing and ran with it. And I know that, like, I... I, I read every UFO book you can imagine when I was growing up. None of them mentioned Roswell. None of them mentioned Roswell, you know, because it was that insignificant until this gang got a hold of it in the 80s and turned it into this thing right. that it became. Uh, yeah, and it was, you know, that that's what happened. It didn't start until it was 78, and then in, mm -hmm. the, uh, in 1980 when the, uh, oh, what's the magazine now? National Enquirer. National Enquirer. Right. Okay, 
they they ran a, they ran uh, an article about what happened at Roswell right. in 1947. And there you go. But they never ran the part that it was retracted the day after of course. it was announced. So the, the, uh, they only had half of the story there. Right. Well, that's the National Enquirer. You know, we're talking to Dr. Bob Gross about what or what did not happen at Roswell. And uh, I'm convinced nothing happened there other than a top-secret balloon crashing. But I'm going to go around the room because we got quite a gang here tonight. And I know that we have a bunch uh -oh. of opinions. I'm going to go right to Coco. Coco, what do you say? Up or down? Did something unearthly happen at Roswell? This is Project Mogul. This was the uh, this was the balloon, and if you look at the timing of things like Watergate and the uh, Great Awakening of the government lies to us that uh, came to the forefront in the seventies. What you have, um, so there's no doubt in my mind that uh, things happened around that area. There, you know, you have uh, documented in some of your books, Mac, uh, some other famous uh, hotbeds of activity. Yeah, but I write fiction books. What I'm asking is, is do you think the evidence that they found there, you know, leads to the conclusion? It's Project Mogul, and it was, a, it was a U.S. intelligence balloon, right. which also flattened out into a saucer shape when yes. it got up to altitude. Mm -hmm. And it was replaced when we were able to get the U-2 flying, and they had better seismic uh, sensors. Right. So One footnote, I put up the alien gang sign uh, <laughs> shield. <laughs> For, radio. Or, uh, for the good doctor, uh, which uh, is, a, is the I, chapter I, out of Roswell, and this is the five really basic things you need to know when that when the ET is flashing. I Just think so it's uh, know what the intent. Yeah. Is. Well, thank you. I, I think Roswell's Street Gang. Roswell Street Gang will be a great movie or a TV show. So, so uh, let me just go to Switch because I know Switch. I'm going to say uh, Coco said nothing unearthly happened there. Switch. Anything unearthly happened at Roswell? Uh, I suspect not. I've, I've gone back and forth over the years, but uh, I wanted to ask Bob. Uh, it, it didn't hasn't the Air Force come out with uh, a couple, at least a couple of different explanations over the years that I think were different, but were were nothing like what maybe actually, actually happened. Yeah. Certainly nothing like ET. Yes, uh, one was. Uh, I think they were both put up at the Air Air Force. One was in 1995. One was in 1997. Mm -hmm. But but can I add one more thing? There yes. was. There was another project going on at the same time that was started in 1946 that also used the Mylar type material. Yes, okay. and that was the uh, passive communication satellite, mm -hmm. and they they were they were being launched by the uh, the missiles. What were the A? Oh, I can't think of the name. The German missiles. That oh, the they, uh, A1 uh, or yeah, the V1, V2s. Those. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, they were using those captured missiles to launch these. Uh, what would eventually be the Echo satellites? Remember oh, yeah, the huge yeah. Echo satellites? The first satellites. And they one were of the first experimenting satellites. with those back in '46 as well. Wow! So you had two projects that were using the same type of materials. Mm -hmm. At um, you know, one other thing too. Uh, two more things is uh, after World War II. The U.S. captured a lot of German equipment, German kind of space equipment, and also a lot of German scientists. And a lot of them did go to New Mexico and worked on these things, worked for yeah. the U.S. military after the war on, um, which it turned to eventually turned into NASA and got us on the moon. So one conspiracy, yeah. we say it all the time, one conspiracy that is true is that NASA was put on the moon thanks to the Nazis. The Nazis helped NASA yes. put us on the moon. So, uh, so Switch, uh, we're going to say probably no for you, right? And those two, those yes. two, those two reports that you're talking about the government. I remember they came out really like within a year of each other. The first one was basically they were talking about how they did high altitude balloon experiments, and they would drop dummies off of balloons just to see what would happen when they hit yes. the earth or something. That was one, and then another one was kind of a mishmash of it. But it was interesting that the Air Force, you know, had to put out two explanations. 
like almost in two consecutive years, and no one believed any of them. So it was, you know, it was really a uh, fire drill from the beginning. May I add something quickly to yes, that? Yes, please. Yeah, there, I was looking at all those because one was like 300 pages mm -hmm. and the other one was 1,000 pages. Wow. And I found out that some of the reports that were out there on the market that you could get, some of them had the material missing that you needed to tell you that that's exactly what was happening wow. in Roswell. Interesting. Yeah, well, that you know, typical government, they probably found it out to somebody. And, um, you know, a, a million people in the Pentagon blessed it. It came out very... Um, you know, kind of milk toast. The first one raised more questions than were before, and they come out with the second one, and that even raised even more questions. So I guess they probably figured, well, what's the sense? So I'm going to go to Raven. You know what Roswell is, right? <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Okay. Do you think anything happened there? Do you think aliens came there? I do you because do. I'm a believer so and I. I feel like there was such a boom of technology like immediately after Yes, and I feel like they maybe um, gave some, some tips and tricks about uh, how we can advance. Yes. So I do think that, that something happened there. <laughs> She's convinced me, Dr. Bob. <laughs> anyway. Listen, that's all you need. What can I say? <laughs> Let's go to... <laughs> Let's go to Coco, if he's still there. Oh, no, we already did Coco. Let's there go to Jocko. Yeah. I meant JoJo. Jocko, what do you, what's your thoughts on Roswell? I agree with everybody else so far what they're saying. Um, I wish there could be something else. Mm -hmm. yeah. I guess most people do. I mean, you know, in the trillions and trillions of universes, there's somebody living out there or something. Yep. Whether we ever know or not, we who knows, but. You know, I think the thing that confused a lot of people is when it did come out, the government came out with all of those different um, books that Dr. Bob was saying, one right. was thousand pages, whatever. I had a cousin who ran the government printing office in New York huh. City. Really? And they would farm those things out to certain offices yeah. to print them. Huh. And one of the problems I remember was when that colonel came out and talked about Project Mogul and then dropping the dummies and everything else. Yep. The years were so off when they printed it. It was a mistake. Mm -hmm. And it happened after the incident. Yeah, they didn't People even go. Like, Look, they're trying to cover up again, you know? I think they, and, tried, and to, the other... they tried to paper over it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, who's yeah, going to read was, the thousand pages? Like, right? Everyone yeah. read it, you know? They don't... Just one last thing. I remember watching a film all the time where they had a propulsion system for these balloons that had like two plates stuck together with like retro, like little rockets around the sides that <laughs> would spin them and get them up into that. The atmosphere, like you know, right. they would fill up. They and I'm would. like, people probably saw those things. I mean, they looked they weird. Had to, they, had to come down somewhere. They they looked weird. I mean, you know, I once saw a um a B two stealth bomber fly over the house, and I was like, hmm. whoa, yeah, what is that? Go. You know, when you look at a B two yeah, yeah. sideways, it looks like it's a disc, a really big yeah. disc, you know. And yeah. I just can imagine. Well, people see these kind of you know things going up in the air. There's rockets and stuff. I mean. It's understandable why they would confuse them. And, and they're farms. just farmers and herders. Right, yeah. and, you know, and then I, I remember the first time I saw a, a, an F-22 and the thing stood on its tail. Yeah, it was like, what's going on, really? It's amazing. You know? Hey, Juan Juan, do you think anything happened at the Roswell other than the gang activity? <laughs> no, it's just a big marketing campaign now that uh, it, it just brings the uh, the tourists along and everybody wishes that something was there and they're, yes. they're clinging to the chain link fence to see if there's anything going on I, I think he's, I think trying Jocko's to manifest right. something you know, yeah. after all these years I mean, you know, I think, people people thought that 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 it was real and and when I was reading stories about it and I was born in 48 you know wow 
It's not gay. Oh, yeah. no. it's really that's really bizarre. Maybe I need to be afraid of something, but you know, especially with being on this show, it's just clearly <laughs> don't blame uh, us. Nothing, nothing <laughs> happened. I mean, there's enough. I, I know stories hate, out there to indicate that nothing happened right. other than what we we just talked about. You know, hate to be that that guy at the party, but nothing happened. But yeah. what, what bugs me more than anything is that well, there's there's one thing. There's there's like a haunted ICBM base about a hundred miles from where the Roswell incident happened. Oh, yeah. That's in uh, Mac Maloney's uh, military exo. No, what is it? Uh, Mac Maloney's haunted universe talks about I that. Guess. But the other thing too is that there are so many other really legitimate, evidence-heavy, actual like UFO sightings that people should be concentrating on, and not what happened at Roswell. You know, there's there's there's, there's things that have happened. I mean, I can think of a, a, a million of them. The Gander flight, which I always bring up in the 1950s, when 40 different pilots and servicemen coming back from Europe to the U.S. for Christmas. So this enormous disc out over the ocean. I mean, this thing was like about a mile wide. It was, you know, it, it was flying alongside of them. It was like crazy. Um, there's there's lots and lots of other kind of UFO incidents that be a more research. If, if people had taken the time and the effort to look into those instead of, you know, fooling around this Roswell thing, I think we'd be closer to what these things Mac, are. So go ahead, please. Mac, before you go to switch for the, the final weigh-in on this, do you think, and I think, uh, Dr. Bob, you need to, uh, to weigh in this as well. Did this become a convenient template for how to handle everything else? Was Roswell the ability to use uh, the media of the time and the day to throw the attention sideways, craft the story, see where it went, see where the, the vulnerable points were, where you could exploit it and cover up? activities and of all kinds. Obviously, we know that the UFO uh, interest was a great cover for a number of military systems over the year. That's right, well right. documented. Everyone Absolutely knows so. that. Right, yes. Was this, the, uh, was this the Rosetta Stone or the Holy Grail of starting that misinformation? Dr. Bob. Ye yes. In fact, when I, I was doing research, I wrote a white paper about the Roswell incident, and I found certain uh, characteristics that were in common with Roswell and other UFO cases. And there's this, here's the one that you're talking about that I put in the white paper. And it says that the government, ufologists, skeptics, and others contributed to a complex approach to information warfare that utilized the perfect storm of misinformation <laughs> and disinformation to disseminate unreliable and conflicting data. Well, they did that for sure. But that's that was like you were saying that they found out that that worked. Right, but let me just say two things. Okay, first of all, um, they stumbled upon it because I can't imagine that this was some great vast plan to first say we found a UFO and then deny it the next day. But let me answer this, in Coco. Maybe this is something you would know more about than everyone else. So let's say there is that kind of a campaign, and I was thinking the same thing. I'm saying, you know what? Maybe this is just a way to. It's kind of like with Area 51. Everyone knows where Area 51 is. It's the most famous top secret base in the world okay <laughs> but it's kind of like everyone concentrates on that and they forget there are quote-unquote area 52 53s and so on out there in the nevada desert so maybe with roswell there's just like it, it created so much stuff so much disinformation that yeah it redirects our attention away from stuff yes. that should be more kind of scientifically researched but let me ask this coco who would run that who would run that? The CIA, the DIA, the Pentagon? Sure. I, I, I think well, but who? You, you absolutely hit it. There, there, there are groups that do not identify by any letters that use the uh, the different agencies of NSAs and CIAs. I mean, one of the most powerful uh, 
agencies for intelligence is the National Reconnaissance Office. Mm -hmm. Very few people even know where the building is, let alone who's working. So to me, I think this, this is your typical uh, kind of military op. Something crashes and the base that's nearby responds. No one on that base, with the exception of a couple people, probably knows the details of what's going on. With the balloons. They put out the initial part of the press, and then the story gets corrected. Now, the, the age that we live in, those corrections come within 30 seconds to yep. probably two minutes. Right. In those days, you had the time. Right. It looked like a flying saucer. Yep. Flying saucer has just recently been added into the lexicon. Someone stepping back says, this is one of the most important things we have to keep from our so-called uh, World War II allies, the Soviet Union. So what we're going to do is we're going to go with this and then let it grow late. That's it is the, a flying saucer. It wasn't a flying saucer. And that's, and then it, but if you, if you look at the whole story, it died. It, this did not emerge until the 70s. It worked. It went away. Yep. It wasn't talked yep. about. It wasn't talked about for decades. Yep. And now it comes out. Back, there are groups of people, whatever term you want to use, that are inside, that are inside for years. The Pentagon, the government, whatever, and they they live by, by this kind of ability. And now they're becoming the masters of uh, the new media and the age we live. But is it is it is it CIA? Is it DIA? Is it FBI? Is it or is, are you it's, saying there's it's, it's subgroups even higher than them? Oh, who are they working for? themselves oh themselves okay so there's no president no pentagon connections nothing they're out there doing it for themselves yes okay well wow. i think the vast majority of our political our political party could care less what's going on as long as they get their pockets lined yeah I and then the plausible deniability function goes on and you have people that have been doing this for years years that are operating this and that's how they cover it up okay. this happens from highest reaches of the government right down to your local School right. board and local government. All right, listen, let me just ask one more question, okay, and without getting political. So you're saying that there are people within the government who don't really report to anybody. Where do they get the funding to do this massive disinformation campaign? Black ops. I know, but but if they're not involved with the government or anything, where would they get so, the money? Well, Mac, the Air Force has one of the largest budgets in the Department of Defense. And if you hear them lately, the Air Force is okay. Screaming. So I know, but so they they are connected some way to the American sure, military. But okay. there's you have a source of income, and then you have groups of people that have pass throughs that grab this okay. under black ops. I know, I but mean, what I'm saying I is this: I what, remember meeting people in special ops that were working out of the Department of the Interior and the Department of right, Fisheries. Right, I, and they were that, special op operators. They had nothing to do with those agencies. That's where the, you're asking where the money's coming from. Okay, but what I'm saying so, is that then who do they work for? You said they don't work for anybody, but if you're working they work somehow. They work for whoever is sitting in a position of power that has been accumulated over years. It's part of either a committee or a group or a subset. Well, who? It is on their own agenda. Who? Mac, Mac. Hang on, hang on Mac. a second, Jojo. Hang on. Like who? Are, are you talking about the head of the UN or something? I mean, no, who? the self-appointed gatekeepers in any government or any organization. I don't believe any of that stuff goes on. I'm sorry. Right. I don't, because you know what? So and let me just say one thing. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. This is, this is what gets me. Is in charge of hang on. Hang on. This is what gets me about every conspiracy. That work for years aren't running. All right. Hold on. This is what gets me about every conspiracy that we have in this country is that it all goes fine. You know, NASA is supposed to have a secret space force that no one knows about that's flying around the, uh, the galaxy, the, the the solar system, okay? And everything works just the way it's supposed to, all right? And we know in real life, nothing works the way it's supposed to. So why all of a sudden are these, the government that, you know, regularly screws things up, 
works. It gets these conspiracies just right. But anyway, we have to move along. Thank you very much. I, I think that Roswell is one of these things. I, I, I'm actually coming on board thinking maybe they used it as a convenient disinformation campaign and it was something that just stuck around and it worked. And maybe that is the business model for them up until just recently now that for some reason the government is talking a lot about UFOs. But why don't we do this? There is a, a recent theory out is that the money's coming from the people that are making money off the UFO phenomenon, and that's the money that's being funneled into. Okay, this. but see, that's that's a that's a that's a trickle. Like if someone said Elon Musk was behind this, I would believe it. You know, if someone said Bill Gates, or Google, or someone like that is behind this, yeah. that I would believe. Okay, but I don't believe a government, uh, especially our government, could kind of f things up, f a lot of things up. And run a conspiracy, you know, picture perfect. I just don't think it works like that. Yeah, keep it this quiet. And keep so it this quiet. And no one, you know, writes about they, deathbed. They're bad at public relations to begin with on anything. Right. So why are they yeah, so good at this? All right. Here we, we have Mac, to take a Mac, break. Mac, Mac. Go ahead, Jojo. Quick so you can understand this because this is how I figured it out. They don't. People disappear. They make a lot of mistakes. But the way it works is everybody gets their taste. You'd hear about Once it, though. you do. Everybody's happy. Yeah, but you'd hear about it. So one of those people getting the taste would, would come out and talk about it. Oh, he'd screw up. Oh, you know, he would. They know the alternative. But he would trip and hit his head, and they would go in and and, 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 and find his body, and they'd find all this stuff in his apartment. You know, I mean, you, you can't put your finger in every dike. Hang on. Where there's a leak, okay? You know, it, it, it once again, a big government could not run a conspiracy as perfect as a lot of people say this particular conspiracy, Roswell, uh, Secret Space Force, or whatever. They just couldn't do it. They'd have to go wrong yeah. somewhere. I would Act, to... One thing I do want to throw in. Good. At the time period that Roswell and this occurred, most major changes after World War II, the absolute incredible explosion of the bureaucracy that the United States government became. It exploded in a proportion geometrically to anything that was proceeding that leading up to World War II. The Pentagon building is being built at this time. Everything is coming together on this, you know, new service, the airports. The, my only point is this. In this great big kitchen that is the government, no one knows what's going in the sausage. Okay. Mac, you're there absolutely, are people Mac, that are yeah. making side deals. All right. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right, Mac, because it doesn't go right. And that's why we have all these controversies, you see? They don't do it right. Things go wrong all the time. They screw up everything. Okay, but what I'm saying is this, though, is that if there was some kind of secret you know, uh, agency within our secret agencies that were, you know, controlling the information for UFOs and for a secret space force and so on and so forth, then, you know, it, it, they're still like unknown. So how is it that someone who isn't an engineer for the secret space force hasn't come forward with some kind of complaint and saying, hey, listen, we really have this, you know, vast, um, you know, fleet of spaceships that fly around the solar system. We're not telling anybody for reasons we don't, you know, they never explain. Why isn't that kind of evidence? Why, like, for instance, you know, with the Kennedy assassination, there's so many different conspiracies, okay? When, when really, when you look at the explanation, the simplest explanation is that Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy for the same reason the guy who shot John Lennon, for the same reason for the guy who shot Reagan. They wanted to be in history books. That's it. That's the, now, people don't want to hear, they want to, they want, they want to feel like something else is going on, that it couldn't yeah, be when that you simple. talk about Kennedy, how can you, how can you say that there isn't more to that when you look at the ballistics, what went on there, 
and you look at all the crazy things that went on with things like the autopsy and all the other parts. So what the, and the once government again. steps in and covers up, says, this is national security that we cannot right. come to the answer what's going to happen. I think then they allow that to fester, and then you start putting disinformation out, and you get people talking about something that happened 60 years ago because it's convenient to take your mind off the price of gas today mm. or whatever next thing comes up. I think I don't think everything is that controlled. We I still think don't that, know what happened to Lincoln, and that one happened he got at, shot. at the end of the <laughs> Civil War, and we still don't know the conspiracy that's behind the Lincoln assassination. Listen, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a commercial break now? And we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracks, our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. There's a monster in Tokyo Bay, hundreds of feet tall and breathing fire. It's able to destroy whole cities, sink entire battle fleets, and knock swarms of jet fighters from the sky. But there's another even more dangerous resident of the bay. A secretive psychopath intent on covering the planet with nuclear-armed booby traps unless the world's population bends to their demands. Meanwhile, a mysterious group of reborn medieval warriors has taken to the air. Strange signals are being picked up from outer space, and witnesses report seeing hundreds of ghost planes flying in the night skies over Tokyo. Sailing off the coast of Japan aboard the United American Navy's mega aircraft carrier, the USS USA, it's Hawk Hunter, the wingman. He must investigate these unusual occurrences while trying to thwart the criminal's apoplectic plan. But will his actions save the planet or lead to World War IV? Find out in Mac Maloney's exciting new novel, The Jericho Storm. Filled with dozens of dogfights, sea battles, and brutal hand-to-hand -hand combat, The Jericho Storm is book 21 in Mac's best-selling Wingman series. Team up with Hawk's longtime allies, as well as a few new ones, including fighter pilots Switchblade Steve Ward and Jocko Johnson. That's Wingman 21, The Jericho Storm. On sale now at your local bookstore and on Amazon.
wondering why If he knew what it's like to die And where was his soul right now Because he's still with us somehow Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a lively show we have for you tonight. But for us girls, um, get ready. I guess you're already ready. The very famous Juan Juan is here. Hello, girls. Hello, Mac. Very, it's been a lively show. Very, very informative, too. Very famous Coco is also here. Coco. On the wing in the formation. The very famous um, Switchblade Steve Ward is with us. Uh, on the ground in formation. Switching. Okay. Um, also, uh, good friend way down south, Jocko, Jocko Johnson, Jojo, with Thank us. Thank you, Mac. It's been a great show. Hey, your uh, Yankees and your Mets. Juan one said it right. Yep. What? Yankees and your Mets. Both of your teams are in first place. Both, both doing good, huh? So I hate you for two reasons. Yeah, I know. They'll, they'll, they'll choke. The Mets will choke. Don't worry. Well, yeah, the Mets will ruin their pitching staff eventually, but the Yankees. It's already ruined. Hmm. Yankees are, uh. You know, in a position to uh, maybe go all yeah, the way. They, this time. They, yeah, Set they, some records. Even though I'm right. Yeah, yeah, they are. They look good. Even though I'm from Boston. The Mets, every, the Mets do this every year when they're good. Right. If they get to be good, they, they go crazy and then they die. Right. Uh, Buck is a different kind of manager now. Right, exactly. Uh, also with us is our favorite good witch, Raven. How are you? Hello. I'm okay. doing good. Thanks for having me. Now, before, um, and also joining us is our good friend, Dr. Bob Gross from Chicago, UFO researcher slash musician. Hello, everyone. Notice Raven's cap. I, used to, I was originally from Pittsburgh. Yeah, really. It's, it stands for pink, but we don't want to ruin oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. That's okay. It's all right. Yeah, she's fine. Now, uh, Raven, you have to, uh, before I'm we get sorry. to Switch and ask, <laughs> okay. ask Switch what you have for, for breakfast, what you have to do is for one of our fans is go get your cat mask and please put it on. All right. Well, I don't want to miss what Switch had for breakfast. So okay. I'll say it and I'll, I'll do it in a minute. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, switch. Now that you're back with us from your sabbatical, okay. Lots of people want to know. Oh, I get so much fan mail. That's another thing. That's getting to be a little tiring. All this fan mail for Switch. Switch is back. Switch is back. Okay. Good to have Switch back. We love his reporting. Blah, blah, you, can, blah. you can just forward it to me if, if it's too much. Okay. All right. I will. It, it won't go to my head. No, it might fill up your uh, email memory though. Okay. So, but everyone wants to know is what. Did Switch have for breakfast today? Now he's relocated down to West Virginia. Yeah, he's eating a lot of biscuits and gravy and all that stuff. <laughs> so what did you have Good today? Switchy. Well, this morning uh, I I wanted to do something really spectacular, but I I had just had too much to do, so I made some coffee, and I had a couple of blueberry pop tarts with frosting on it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But now there's a, there's a uh, postscript here. With so a little bit later on in the morning, actually getting toward lunch, yes. I started getting hungry. Uh-huh. So I went down to a place called Tudor's Biscuit World. <laughs> and in fact, uh, you can get biscuit one biscuit, yes. biscuit and gravy, or two. Uh-huh. 
Now, some time ago, I got two. Yep. And when you do that, you can feed a family of about you 38. Said, you, you said could, that. You could uh, have a family reunion right. on what they give you for two biscuits. So I had one biscuit with gravy, sausage gravy, and bacon. Wow. Oh, man. Wow. That's 4,000 calories right there. Biscuits. Yeah. Now, is it? Is it because the biscuits are so huge or what? Well, they're, they're, they're enormous. Fill, and the size, of, and uh, it's, the it's, size of a Buick. It's make, it's, they're made to <laughs> fill you up, to fill you up, you know, to go and work a hard day down south doing whatever. Oh, but man. I'll tell you what, I love biscuits and gravy. There's, I mean, there's really nothing to them. The gravy is just horrible. Um, and it, it goes together really well. That I get. But that other stuff that they eat, the, um, what do you call it? Grits. Grits. I love oh, grits. Oh, it's like eating friggin' sand from the beach. No, you gotta oh, doctor up the no, grits. You gotta oh, make it, man. Okay. I just, I just had it, Mac, the other day for breakfast. Oh, really? You Did you really? Grits, they put cheese. You've got to put like American cheese in it, butter. Mm-hmm. You Yum. crack, you Yuck. chop the bacon up, and then you put your eggs like sunny side up right in and mix it up. Right oh, yeah. it's, it's, or just go to a dirty yeah. waffle house. Oh, the yeah. dirtiest yeah. one you can find yes. because the better the, the, the just, dirtier the waffle house, the better. I love waffle house. Why don't you just? Let's not be work. knocking the Waffle House, okay? Oh, Waffle I'm House not knocking it. Right. No, no. yeah, I, I, uh, I just came off that extensive road trip in yeah. Waffle House. I checked out a number of them, and I want oh. you all to know there's 322 in the state of Georgia. Oh, they're at every exit. Florida. Both sides of the highway. More. Right. There needs to be more. We don't have any in New York. It's very upsetting. Oh, really? man. They're on every other corner in South Carolina. Can I tell you man. something? You're just better out. I envy you, Cobra. You, you sp- well, spoon out your, gar- your garbage disposal. You'll get the same kind of food. So, oh! anyway, listen. Oh, hold on. Now, hold on. Another, another sponsor for the show. Oh, boy. Slides away. Look at that, Rick. The thing is, when you look at the, they tell you how many calories yes. are in, like, one biscuit. You need like a calculator. Plus. Two I don't biscuits, look at that. It makes two me biscuits sad. Is two billion calories. Oh, yes. yeah. right. Right. I get, at the Waffle House, I get my waffles or my almonds smothered and covered, as they call it. Oh, yeah. Now you're making me. You sick. may not want to know what smothered and covered means, but it's very delicious. Can I tell you something? You know? I just saw something really even scarier than that. Is that Raven put her cat mask on? So please, oh, not your beer. Your okay. Please do that again, please. Put my beer down for one second. Okay. So that's a cat mask, guys. Does that look like a cat mask to you? It does. Oh, yeah. Scary. It does. Yeah, really? Okay. All right. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So the that fan who won It's like a Phantom of the Cat House. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Hey, now there you Pretty go. Scary. This, this is your Broadway movie. <laughs> Phantom of the Cat House. Uh, Edward, yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber, where are you? Answer your phone. Uh, so, Raven, now you have a couple things uh, tonight. Um, first of all, you're going to ask us all a question that is supposed to stump us. Then you're going to talk about cursed movies. Let's go with the question first. Okay. What is the question? So I'll ask the question first, and if you guys want to think about it while I'm while I'm talking about movies, that's totally fine. Um, my question is, if you had to, if the only way that you could escape certain death, let's say, yes, was by a song, what song would it be? So what song would you listen to if if you listened to it, you would not die? Yes. Okay. Dr. Bob, so if you not... need time to think about it, okay. I can just do my little my little thing. Sure. Uh, well, wait, hang on a back. second. Dr. Bob, did I introduce you in this segment? I can't remember back that far. I don't know. Okay. Dr. Bob is <laughs> joining us. I was thinking about the question. Dr. Bob Gross is joining us from UFO. From uh, Chicago UFO researcher. Okay. So what song, I mean, is it a song that you hate, but you must listen to it to stay alive? No. Um. So like... Like your your favorite song, like okay. at the I moment. I mean, okay. Um, yeah. Well, let's just do it right now. I'll tell you right now. If I had if I if I had to listen to a song, no matter what it was, just to stay alive, I think it would be it would be a Beatles song, but it would be like 
Odd Day's Night or Help or something like that, a song that I would never get tired of listening to. And it reminds me of a really good time. You know, when I was a kid growing up, that whole Beatlemania thing was like a lot of fun. That's, yeah, that's a good that's a good answer. I mean, I wouldn't say Appalachian Spring or anything, you know, or Vivaldi or something. I would, you know. Oh, God, Vivaldi. Okay. Oh. I, 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 we got to go around my It's a one one. Let's Are you saying your song that uh, you're going to listen to like forever or something or what? Just just if you were um, in the clutches of imminent Death. danger, uh, okay, meaning if, like you were going to die within like, let's say, 10 minutes if you didn't listen to the right, song. Sort of like driving the bus and it can't be, yes. you can't go under 50 miles an hour. Good. Yes. What song is it? Okay. Got it. Um, can't Buy Me Love. Mm, interesting. Right. Yep. Just a song you'd want to hear all the time. You know, yeah. Midnight Rams, a live I, version I, I by the Stones. I pictured in Hard Day's well. Night with them running around, yes. having a great time. You know, yep. the, the, the shots from the chopper and how they did all that stuff. And they're having a great time and being silly. Mm-hmm. That's how I associate that song. Right. That's uh, we should we got to we're gonna do a music show again. We should just be an adrenaline rush. Do a show about those of us who are alive when the Beatles came out, and what a what what an unbelievable cultural change happened within two years, maybe where everything just changed because of them. But anyway, so um, it was fab and gear all over the place, and it was it was exciting, and it was color. It wasn't black and white anymore. You know, it was color. Um, that's yeah. how I look at it. And, um, that's right. You know, and just gave he a lot of— John F. Kennedy, and then all of a sudden it was the right. Beatles. Right. And and also, too, is, um, like I said, we have to do another music show soon. But when you, to, think yeah. of the, when you think of the Beatles, okay, I mean, it's not just their songs. It's not just the fact that, you know, they came out as a, kind of like a gimmick group, and then three years later they're writing a masterpiece called Sgt. Peppers, right? But just think of the number of people they— inspired to become musicians and then they in turn yeah. wrote great yeah. songs and they in turn entertain us and then those people inspire other people i mean the wave that they sent up just these four guys from liverpool who happened to be nothing else but music geniuses happened to get together and that's what happened and it happened during our lifetime so it's great i'm sure people way back probably thought mozart you know i'm glad when i'm alive when mozart was alive but Anyway, go ahead, Switchy. What would your song be? Be like uh, well, Convoy all, or something. About the, about the Beatles, the one thing they did do when, once they came on the scene, people started paying attention to the songwriter. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, it was the artist who was it, up front, and and mm-hmm. oftentimes people didn't even know who wrote the song. Right. But the, with the advent of the Beatles, the songwriter became very important. Right. Yes. Yeah, yep. Good point. Good point. Exactly. So my song. Yes. Would be Guitar Zan. Because if you're listening to Guitar Zan, your mind is off. Right. Yes, I guarantee you. Okay, Guitar Who did that anyway? I know the song, but... Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens. Oh, wow. A.M. the A-Rap. Probably don't play that anymore. Love that guy. Dr. Ray Bob. Did a lot of those things. Dr. Yeah. Bob, did I ask you what your song would be? I'm going to say it will be Vivaldi or something, right? Some classical piece? For me? Yes. Oh, I was going to say because of the length, it was going to be the drum solo from In the Garden of Eden. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the Garden of Eden. Okay. And that was by Iron Butterfly. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, that would last a long time. That's true. Iron, Iron Butterfly. Right. right. <clears throat> Jojo. One of the Simpsons. Jojo's from. I would, have, I would have to say, uh, if it had to make me live, yep. Frank Sinatra, my way. Oh, okay. Oh, ooh, uh, that's a good, yeah, and, and if I was going to croak, Frank Sinatra, Ave Maria. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Nicely played, sir. Uh-huh. I can smell the lasagna right now. Yeah. Yep. One thing about Frankie, there was one thing about Frankie, we got to do a music show soon, is Frank Sinatra invented the uh-huh. concept album. They thought that the Beatles, you know, invented the concept album or the Who or whatever. 
the, the, in the wee hours of the morning, he wrote, you know, he had 12 songs, put together 12 songs about him breaking up with Ava Gardner. That's what it's about, you know, the first yep. concept album. And if you listen to it, it's it's dated. It's old 50s music, but if you know why he did it, you kind of feel, you know, the pain that it's she was, stands. you know. Frankie, yeah. Dino, they were the best. There yeah. not, not, you, you listen to Dean Martin, I mean, it's like it's yeah, like angels talking, angels. They do have perfect voices. Both of those guys, yeah. they have like perfect voices. That's all there is to it, you know. Uh, well, okay. Thanks to Nacho, was called the voice. The, yeah, right. I, right. I recall. Yeah, Frankie was the because voice. When he sang, yeah. when he sang, and we can't, you know, tell one Raven's time any more than this. But when he sang, he he enunci- he enunciated every single word in a song, and that's very hard to do. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just gotta you know float over it. But he, you heard every single word clearly when he sang, and that isn't the case. You know who else does that? Is I hate to say, it, but Barbara Streisand because she's such a diva, but she also has like the perfect voice. Maria Carey, not the perfect voice. Barbara Streisand <laughs> knows how to sing. You know what I mean? The Beatles didn't know how to sing. Yeah. Yeah, the Rolling Stones. You know, Billy Eilish uh, fan. Nah, yeah. you know, when, when Dean Martin's daughter met Elvis, he said, "You know, people call me the king of rock and roll, but your dad hmm. is the king of cool." Yeah, yep. he is. Yep, those yeah. guys. That says it all. Uh, doc, and so um, uh, we know what Doctor Bob's song was. So Coco, what would you? What's it going to be? Some Metallica uh, it song? It would be. Uh, I'd go right to my Metallica uh, touchstone, and it would be uh, nothing else. Matt. Mm. All right. Okay. Wow. A real weeper from Metallica. So uh, there you go, Raven. There's your run. Did you name your song, Raven? Mine would be um, "Heaven" by Bayside. Um, I don't Never think you guys it. know Raven? it. It's a really good song. You should look it up on YouTube. The the chorus Bayside, is great. Huh? Yeah, Bayside's Heaven my favorite Bayside. band. Hey, Raven. Um, Raven. That's my. That's mine. And I was just curious. Okay, <laughs> Raven. What's your song? What song would you? Have? Heaven. Heaven. <laughs> Never heard of it. Okay. By Bayside. Bayside. What are they? I like Heaven by Brian Adams. If you go back to her credit card problem. Oh, yeah, we okay. have angels no, in that catalog too, so you can just. That's okay. true. So, yeah. See, you, everything um, is circling back. It's right. Thank you, Coco. So, I got Raven went from a song to a song. There, okay. That would be that would be the way to check out or to live forever, sitting in a waffle house, having my giant waffle, listening to <laughs> nothing else matters. Uh, okay. Yes. It <laughs> sounds That's a dream. It sounds like heaven. Get it? Hang on. Look. Okay. So, Raven, we were talking off air a few weeks ago that you know that. There are movies out there that, you know, I mean, they're either good or bad, but they've had like really, really bad situations in the production of the movie. And uh, there are some cursed movies out there. The one that comes to my mind is the one where the guy who uh, was a Bruce, Bruce Lee's son or something, uh, you know, killed himself. Oh, the crow? A, yeah. And then uh, the, the crow. The crow. The crow. What, what is a prop gun yeah, or tragic, something? Tragic yep. loss. Yep. Okay. So, yes. Raven, so, uh, so we're talking about movies that, you know, that you have heard of but are cursed. Gonna do a few of those uh, over the summer. So go ahead, please, Raven. What do you have about three of them for us tonight? I have three of them to start out with. Um, the first one I have is I believe this is pronounced Atuk, Atuk, mm-hmm. um, and this is actually a film that was never actually made. Um, but it is it's really cursed. Uh, believed that the the script itself is haunted. Oh wow! Huh? Um, so it's actually based on the 1963 satirical novel uh, by the name the. Uh, incomparable Atuk. Mm-hmm. And it's a fish out of water story that follows an Inuit in New York. Um, it was ultimately scrapped due to, to the belief that it was cursed. Okay. Um, so several actors that were set to play the lead role, Atuk, uh, died prematurely. They included John Belushi, yes. uh, who died of an overdose um, in 1982. 
And the script for Atuk was actually found on his coffee table at the time of his death. Wow. And he was 33. Oh, okay. Um, then we have controversial comedian Sam Kin- Kinison. Uh, he signed on for the lead role in 88. Um, and eight days into filming, the production was shut down. Apparently, Kinison was under the impression that he was allowed to rewrite the script. And when he found out that that was not accurate, he didn't want to do anything else. Mm -hmm. So it was ended in lawsuits. um, And in 1992, actually six days after his wedding, uh, Kinison died in a car accident after being hit by a drunk driver. He was 38. Wow. Wow. He was he was uh, on after, he was on Howard Stern a lot back then. I used to listen to him. He was a crazy, crazy I got guy. a kick out of him. He was a crazy, insane comedian. His hollering and screaming was fantastic. Right, right. <laughs> and and was just so upfront about his, you know, he had you know drug problems and uh, you know, alcohol problems. He was a Pentecostal minister before. At he one point he was a minister routine and he could step back into it mm-hmm. like he had never walked away from right. the pulpit. It was amazing. He would address the audience like a like a preacher would, you know, just yep. get everyone excited. But the story I remember about him, okay, is now this is how nutty he was, is and I think we all know someone like this. So they're they're somewhere. They're in Hollywood, they're in New York, whatever. There's a bunch of them in a hotel and there's no no more booze delivery to the hotel. Uh, you know, room service. Okay, it cuts off at 1 o'clock. Now it's like 3 o'clock, and these guys need booze. And everyone's saying, where are we going to get the booze? Where we? No one knows. And what he does is he he orders 10 limousines to come to the hotel, and the limousines have booze in the back. So the limousines go up, they just take all the booze and go up, and they potty. That's the kind of mind this guy has. <laughs> so anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so go ahead, please, Raven. Um, I was going to just say, okay. uh, the uh, first Mrs. Cobra still blames the live show that we went to as the uh, the start of the downfall. Just, of the, that, that was in the divorce I case. I went to a Sam Casson show in New Orleans. You brought her? say he was a bit unrestrained at that show. <laughs> wow. There is another show. Uh, go ahead, please, Raven. Into it. And, that, and um, it's a yeah. it's an Eskimo oh, in yeah. New York, right? Eskimo goes to New York, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. All right, I, go ahead. I, you know, I haven't read the book. I, I would like to, but because there is ultimately no movie, it, you, ha- you would have to read the book to find out the I story. I wouldn't go near either um, one of them, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either personally. Um, but after that, um, the script went to John Candy um, in 1994. Holy while on cow. break from shooting Wagons East, Candy was found dead in his bed. Uh, no autopsy was performed, but it is believed that he died of a heart attack. He was 43. Um, next, the script went to Chris Farley. Uh, according to his agents, uh, the former SNL star was really looking forward to this. And at the time, he had actually been considered for a role in the third Ghostbusters, and he had already recorded most of the dialogue for Shrek, which I did not know that. Um, In 1997, um, his brother John found him dead in his apartment after a four-day bender. His autopsy determined uh, cause of death was a drug overdose. And sadly, um, this actual piece of garbage uh, that was with Farley when he collapsed, uh, dancer Heidi Hauser snapped the infamous photo of him dead on his apartment floor. He was still breathing when that photo was taken uh, before leaving his home, and he was 33 years old. Um, Now, while none of these deaths are really, quote-unquote, mysterious in any way, they are tragic nonetheless um, and have all uh, one common denominator, which is the script for this film. Um, Screenwriter uh, Tan Todd, I apologize, Todd Carroll, uh, does not see any correlation between the script and the deaths uh, of these talented comedians, but the story has become Hollywood lore, even if it never actually made it off the page. See, someone should make the movie. I hate to say it, but someone should just make the freaking movie. 
How yeah. funny I think with making that. a movie about what has happened to these mm, guys right, yeah. leading up to it yeah. would even be more yeah. interesting than doing the movie itself. I do need to step off the side here and just yeah. say, though, all the names that you presented, I'm having a hard time seeing as an Eonet. I spent some time in that part of the world. I've been with them, and I didn't buy, I mean, sense yeah. of humor on a few of them that would, you know, folks that would match them, but none of the people you name really gives me an Eskimo pie kind of feeling. It's funny that you mention that because the other weird thing is a took actually means grandfather. Mm. And these were all relatively young guys. Yes. So I'm, yeah, like, you know, John Candy, Uncle Buck. Mm. Yeah, he's your fun uncle, of course. Fantastic. All right. A grandfather? I'm like, but I don't know. I don't Who know. Here hasn't want to say, here's 50 cents, go downtown and get a right yeah. off that mole just once in your life. Uh, 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 it's, 50, it's 50 cents. So, okay. So that's a crazy, uh, yeah, that crazy story. What uh, are there others, Raven? Yep, I have two more. Um, the next one I have is The Conqueror. Uh, this was made in 1956. This was produced by Howard Hughes and it was directed by Dick Powell. Uh, this starred John Wayne, uh, Susan Hayward, Agnes Moorhead, and Pedro Armendariz. Martinez, go to ahead. To name a few. Yep. Um, and despite this all-star cast, it was a catastrophic failure. And it's actually considered one of the worst movies of the 1950s. The title again? Um, What's the title again? The Conqueror. The Conqueror with John Wayne. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Um, it was so bad that Howard Hughes actually ended up buying every print of the film in order to keep it from being oh, wow. watched. But it was <laughs> cool. uh, later released again in 1974. Um, so this was a movie that was cursed from the start because of the location that it was uh, filmed at. So primarily they filmed uh, in St. George, Utah, uh, which it's only 137 miles away from the U.S. government's Nevada test site. And in 1953, this site was used extensively to test above ground nuclear weapons mm -hmm. as part of Operation Upshot Nuthole. The cast and crew spent weeks on location, um, and Hughes even ended up shipping 60 tons of the Utah dirt back to Hollywood so that he could match it um, just to use for reshoots. Um, and mm. sadly, the studio was aware of the close proximity to the nuclear test site, but they were assured by the federal government that this posed no danger to the health and safety of the staff. That was a mistake. Go yeah. ahead. So uh, by 1963, it's just like getting a dental x-ray over and over. Right. over. Yep. Go ahead. Pretty much. Uh, by 1963, uh, the director, Dick Powell, uh, died of cancer. And this is just seven years after the film's release. So that kind of shows like that, um, how quickly this mm -hmm. all happened. Mm -hmm. um, Pedro Armendariz mm -hmm. was diagnosed with cancer in 1960. Um, but in 1963, after finding out that it was terminal, he actually completed suicide. Um, in 1974, Agnes Moorhead died of cancer and Susan Hayward in 1975 and John Wayne in 1979. Wow. Uh, cast member John Hoyt would also meet his demise in 1991 when he died of cancer. Uh, the cast and crew totaled 220 people, and by 1981, 91 of them had developed some form of cancer, 46 of which had already passed away. Um, it's also stated that relatives of some of the cast and crew who visited the set also dealt with cancer scares. Um, famously would be John Wayne's own sons uh, battled their own cancer. Um, they did survive. Um, 
but I am wondering if this has anything to do with uh, the infamous photo that was taken of John Wayne with his sons, uh, where they're staring at a Geiger counter that apparently was going off the charts. <laughs> That's um, the Christmas so, card photo. Yeah. So, so, so this is very strange because um, I mean, let's face it, a lot of people die of cancer, but it seems like this is really kind of a, um, a bubble, whatever they call it, you know, where it's like a, a concentration of people who are around the same effect, which is sounds like radioactive sand to me. Um, died of it, you know, died because they were around it so much. Yep. Um, it, it, it was deemed that it's possible that this could be considered an epidemic um, by oh. Dr. Robert Pendle Pendleton. He's a professor of biology at the University of Utah. Um, he believes that the uh, high number of reported cancer diagnoses and the exposure to the fallout radiation go hand in hand. Hmm. Um, wow. Strange. Several Oops. people considered suing the U.S. government for negligence, uh, claiming that they knew more about the area than they had let on, but they denied these claims up luck. until 1990 when the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act was put into place. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it, it, it's tough because at that point, it's like, what, what do you do? What is, um, what is the movie about? Do we know? Is it a cowboy movie? Yeah. It's okay. actually about Genghis Khan um, fighting for the love of his life. In the Arizona desert? Wow, that is a cool movie. Yeah, Dang, and, and John Wayne plays Genghis Khan. Oh, no which is, way. Which is why it's considered a failure. I have this on DDD. I have to look through my expensive DDD collection, but I am almost positive I have this book. In the movie, does he say, hey, pilgrim? <laughs> <laughs> Who? I, I don't think so. Okay. Wow, John Wayne as Genghis Khan. Hmm. Yep. No wonder it's cursed. Great Crazy. casting. Yeah, really. Yeah, the cast was like phenomenal, and then and then I guess they people saw the movie and they were like, "Whoa! Like, what happened?" <laughs> so bad, I want to die. All right, next one, please. Yep. Raven, cursed movie. And then this, yeah, this is the last one I have, and we are going to talk about the Poltergeist. Oh yes. And this is the death of four. Um, it's a horror trilogy, if anyone doesn't know, uh, directed by Toby Hooper, and it was produced by Steven Spielberg, oh, and yeah. it was released in 1982. Uh, this follows the Freeling family who unknowingly purchased a house built over a Native American burial ground. And they didn't remove the bodies. Oh, come mm. on. That's the first thing you do. Yeah. Uh, so because of real life tragedies that occurred during and shortly after the filming, many people believe that the films are cursed. Uh, in total, four people involved in the film died, two of which were incredibly unexpected. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with um, the obvious six-year-old Heather O'Rourke. Uh, I'm sorry, she was six at the time, um, at the time of the filming. Um, she played the doll-like Carol Ann Freeling, who was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1987. Um, after fall falling ill uh, the following year, O'Rourke died during an operation to repair an obstructed bowel. Hmm. Her cause of death is actually listed as cardiac arrest due to septic shock, and she was 12 years old when she died. Damn. Uh, next, we have Dominique Dunn. Um, she played the older sister, uh, Dana Freeling, in the original film, and she met a horrific death in 1982 at her Hollywood home. She had been in a tumultuous relationship with John Sweeney, uh, who showed up to her home begging her to take him back. Yes. Uh, when she refused, Sweeney strangled her and left her to die. He was sentenced to six and a half years and he was let out after three years and seven months. And it makes my blood boil. Did she die? Did she die? She died. She was 22. What, he murdered her and got out at, at, at three years? Three years and seven months. What and he was out. Wow. Hmm. John, today. Irritating. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, 
Next, we have Julian Beck, who plays the infamous evil cult leader. I call him a cult leader. Mm -hmm. I know he's like a, a, a pastor, but he's crazy. Um, Kane from the second uh, film. Yep. He died of stomach cancer shortly after Poltergeist 2 wrapped up. Um, and then we have Will Sampson, who played Taylor, the shaman, in the uh, same film, Poltergeist 2. He passed away while undergoing a risky heart and lung transplant. Wow. Um, so while the last two deaths aren't necessarily surprising, they're, they're still terrible. Mm -hmm. um, and to add to the lore of, of this film's, these films' curses, I should say, um, it was also speculated that Spielberg wanted to use human skeletons as props instead of plastic ones um, because Jump. they were cheaper than uh, the plastic ones. Really? Um, apparently at the time, a human skeleton would have been more cost effective. Well, I don't know, the 80s man. Wow. Well, it, 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 to, to, not to be fair, this is not a, like a fair part of it, but people always freaked out about that particular aspect about the human skeletons that were, were used. And I'm pretty sure that that is a, almost like a bona fide fact. I think it's in the 90 percentile. Yeah, many of those I, skeletons came from places like India, and yeah. they are what many uh, medical students have, have available to them, uh, and they're all over the place. So it's not that uncommon uh, that real human skeletons were used in movies from the 40s on up um, in there. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. Everything I read says it it like quote unquote can't be confirmed. Right. I, I feel it, like that's just like a yeah, just, they were used. It, 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 it's not just this movie that they were used in. They made this sound like it was just like unbelievable. I think it's a really no pun intended cheap shot that, uh, uh, that yeah. you're saying that Dr. Bob, you knew I had to go there. Yeah. I, oh, let, me just, let me just say this. Well, Chi-Town, I'm up here in Maine. I don't get that many laps. You know how I get to play an audience? Come on. So if we get, the, let me just see if I get this straight. Okay. So they cheaped out on the skeletons and they were, they were spending millions on Coke, right? In the eighties. Is that yeah, where probably. we went with this? Okay. All right. That's and priorities, really, man. Priorities. Uh, it really freaked out. Um, I'm sorry. I don't have her name up because I didn't put it in my report, but the woman that played uh, the mom, Mrs. Freeling was in, in their pool that hadn't yet been built when all the skeletons are coming up. Oh, yeah. And she like really freaked out about it because, Who wouldn't? you know, rightfully so I, I would say. Um, but she was the one that made like the most noise about it, where everyone else is well, like, "There's no, 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 dead it's fine. people. Like, don't worry. They're this, using dead people normal. as props. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's just something wrong with that. There's just something inherently wrong with that. And that's another reason why Spielberg is such a freaking hack. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Wow. That's, <laughs> Here we go. That's great. And now I, I want to go see these. One more thing, films. and then you can go off about Spielberg. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the last thing, just to weird you guys out, yes. uh, Samson, uh, the actor that played the shaman, as previously mentioned. Um, one night after filming, decided he was just going to perform an exorcism just for fun on set. Oh, okay. All right. And um, that really scared everyone. And um, that's why a lot of people kind of lean towards this also being a part of Hollywood's cursed. So films. after he did the exorcism, he had to get, get a heart and lung transplant. Hmm. Yeah, nothing, yes. to, no, nothing to draw any you know conclusions or lines there. Was it, uh, exercise? You know, if Tarantino had done this, it wouldn't. It would have been plastic skeletons. I'm just going to tell you right now. If Tarantino had done his one one, listen, you got my six on this. No, that's right. Yep. Listen, don't mention two shitty directors on the same segment, okay? So, but, but there is real quick. There is one good thing that came out of this. Bruce Campbell lived. Bruce he was Campbell. in uh, the beginning of Poltergeist Three. Of course, he dies in Poltergeist Three <laughs> in the first few minutes, oh, but he didn't die in real life. That's correct. The show must go on. Wow, that's crazy. I want to see all these movies now. You know, I just even the one about the Eskimo. 
in the old I know, shape. I do too. I'm really, a, yeah, it's a bummer that it wasn't made, but hmm. I mean, we could, you know, we could still go through and uh, binge watch Poltergeist and The Conqueror, even hey, even if The hey, Conqueror Matt, sucks. Kind of watch The Conqueror. Yes, go, Matt, please. Yep. I think you need to assign Raven to that crazy Jerry Lewis movie about the clown. Uh, the clown, the day the clown cried. Yep. The day the clown oh, we cried. talked about that not too long ago. I was, I've been what trying to find freak. it, actually. I don't no, think you can find it. It's not out there. Yeah. It, it may come out someday. But it's it a is, movie. That is that Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis, who is known as a genius in France, uh, actually filmed a movie, self-produced, self-funded, uh, you know, funded about a clown who leads kids into the gas ovens in Auschwitz. Okay, Ugh. and and it's a comedy. Oh. It's a comedy. Okay. Oh, it's a comedy. That's like something Larry David would do, right? And he would think it was like hilarious. Well, Larry Stone. I had to hire a shaman one time to uh, Dr. Bob. do an exorcism uh, when I was living on the reservation. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, really? An exorcism yeah, yes. on you? On you? No, no, on the whole area. There was all these strange things going on huh. in the teacherage where I lived in Borrego Pass. Did it work? Did it work? I don't know. I left right oh, after. Okay, uh, Dr. Vaughn. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe, maybe, maybe you were, maybe that, <laughs> it did work. Yeah. Uh, don't forget that right. Okay, so look at, wow, what a show. What a show. And now we have to bring the uh, train into the station, Switchy. Oh, you already have the graphic up. That's great. I want to thank everybody. Let's thank Dr. Bob first, and let's really clap him. Clap them off that they say. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for uh, job, Dr. Bob. illuminating us even more on Roswell. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you real soon. We'll have a music show real soon. Will you come back for that? Great. Certainly. Okay. Certainly. So, thank you, Dr. Bob. Uh, thank you, JoJo. JoJo, back in the band. All right. You have a good time tonight? Thank you. Yes. I yeah. love that. I missed it. Thank okay. you. Okay. I threw the chicken and pajamas thing at some Boston Italians the other day. They had no idea what I was talking about. It's it was, a New York thing. It's a Brooklyn thing. It was very embarrassing for them. You know. it's, it's a Brooklyn, New York thing. Chicken in pajamas is pick chicken parmesan, please. Get it right. you teach them a little parmesan. something. Parmesan is so good. Yum. It's very good. That on yeah. everything. Um, okay, why don't we go to uh, that voice you just said. No, she, we leave her for last. Sorry. Switch, thanks for joining us. Switchy. It was my pleasure. How's things out in the graveyard? You live across the from my graveyard now. You ever see any shenanigans over there? Kids drinking. Uh, no, I, I went over the other day, took some uh, photographs. Uh, some of the uh, graves go all the way back to the Revolutionary War. Oh, really? Oh. You see any orbs oh, around the photographs? Any strange? I, I, I just barely remember when they broke ground on that uh, cemetery. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> a little age joke there from Switch. Thanks, Switch. Okay. Coco, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Coco. I'm bringing formation and I'm okay. going to the Waffle House. And I want to go to the Waffle <laughs> House now. Yeah, I want to go too. He's had the Waffle House <laughs> sign up for an hour. I'd love to go the Waffle, to the Waffle House. House. To uh, you're looking good, Mac. I am breaking forward. Isn't there something about it with the uh, the uh, people who FEMA? They know that when they yes. you yeah, they, they say, model Waffle House has a very uh, interesting uh, way that they manage and crisis manage. So when they, they know something bad is coming, weather or whatever, tornado or whatever, um, they will start pulling up supplies. So if one place gets knocked out, the other ones can pick up the clients, make sure that they have a place to go, and wow. they get that other one back online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. And they, and they model a lot of. If you want to know, like, if, if the batter is going to hit the fan, watch what Waffle House is doing. That's <laughs> yeah. all I got to say. And a potential exactly. 100% right. I think they built with their own generators. And everything. Yes, they have. They they pioneered oh. their own generators. They pioneered how they can have Propane. stuff stored. It's a yeah. little bit similar to where we live on Plum Island. Is if there's a storm coming and you see the TV trucks show up, <laughs> it's like get out of town because you know it's going to be bad. Yeah. 
thank you, uh, Coco, for joining us. Juan, Juan, thank you from across the yes, pond. Yes, sir. You're the, welcome. Hey. Glad to be here. Okay. Yeah, let's you know, clap after, from. After uh, tonight's show, I got to try and get some sleep. I'm not sure whether I want to go to see Wimbledon or uh, the next cricket match where England oh is like uh, kicking butt. Well, if you want to fall asleep, go to those two things. All right. <laughs> thank you, Coco, for joining us. Raven, thank all you right. for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun. Thank you for wearing a cat mask. Did you happen to take a screenshot while let's that was happening? Let's do it uh, right now. Okay, Ready? let's do it. Everyone look happy, please. Switch, look happy. <laughs> he raised his eyebrows. Nice. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, uh, everyone listening uh, out there and the uh, vast audience, which, um, you know, we should do a report maybe in the next couple of weeks about just how vast the audience has gotten and just how international we uh, We have listeners now in Nepal. Nepal. I had to look on a map to see where the F Nepal was. It's in the Himalayas near India, if I'm not mistaken. That's so awesome. Yeah. Wow. Seriously? That's cool. Yep. So, hello Nepal. Hello Nepal. Um, it, actually, they live 400 miles away from the capital of Nepal. Here they are calling right now. Uh, <laughs> so, thanks uh, for our listeners around the world. And very quickly, the plugs. Homes for our troops. Homes for our troops is a military organization that raises money for veterans of post 9/11 action. That's the Iraqi war and also the Afghan war. Veterans who came home, they may be missing a limb or were somehow severely wounded serving our country. And what Homes for Our Troops does is that they build them custom-made homes with no stairs, low counter space, things like that, so these people can you know have a little bit easier way of getting around. And then when the home is built, they give them the keys, they tear up the mortgage, they give them the house, they deserve it. And um, you know they've done studies and they said that 85% of the people who are able to get into one of these houses just go on and get jobs and they live a really good productive life, them and their family, um, because they don't have to worry about a mortgage. These people, once again, they deserve it. The U.S. government should be doing this, but they're not. And so until they do, Homes for Our Troops uh, are doing it for our veterans. They've already built over 300 of these homes. They're nice places. They're like, they range in the 480, 450 to 480 range. So, you know, these aren't shacks. These are really nice houses. Uh, look them up on, uh, just Google them, Home for Our Troops. See what they're about, 88 cents of your charity dollar goes right to our veterans. And also, uh, General Tom is going to be in the area within the next couple of weeks, and he says that he will go and have a few beers with us. That should be interesting. Nice. Yeah. Um, home Stretch Troops. Also, if you want a bag of swag, then just go to macmoney.com, hit the contact button, and send us your mailing address. I can't emphasize that more. Send us your mailing address. We can't magically send you the bag of swag with just your email address. The bag of swag this month includes the very, very famous um, 3D stickers, uh, also two kinds of buttons, a pin. Now get ready, folks. You have uh, Mac Maloney Military Exile Show, refrigerator magnets, and keychains. Ooh. Yeah, keychains. So uh, key macmaloney.com. Very nice kind of uh, transparent, lucent keychains. Uh, so if you want your bag of swag, please um, go to macmaloney.com, hit the contact button, and send us. Your mailing address. Also, Ross Shop and his mad Englishman friends are putting back together a wop plane from World War II. Wow, called the Mosquito. Um, it was made of wood back in the um, times when Britain didn't have any steel when they were fighting the Nazis. They put two Rolls Royce engines on it, and it was so powerful, it could go so fast that. Yeah, it ran the bullets. It outran the bullets, amazingly. I keep seeing that cartoon where they're flying along, the bullet just kind of goes right up beside them, kind of shrugs, and that's it. 
They didn't even the put just drops on. drops to the ground. Right. Um, so that's the People's Mosquito Project. Google them, see what they're about. I think that's it. Thanks very much, everyone out there listening to us. I want to thank the entire gang for joining us tonight. And this is Mac Maloney saying until the next time you hear us, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye.